And now, introducing a man whose biggest kicks these days comes not from television and not from Baltimore sports, but from my needless Orioles rants, he is Glenn Clark. Good morning, it is Glenn Clark Radio. Busy Thursday edition of the program. Lots to do today. Coming up a little bit later on this morning, I've been wanting to do this for a little while, just the way that it worked out time-wise. Bruce Cunningham, our buddy, now retired Baltimore sports broadcaster, although I believe you still hear him uh, as one of my colleagues now on 105.7 The Fan. Uh, Bruce is going to stop by the studio to talk about his career, everything he's experienced. I got something fun I want him to do when he's here, but our buddy Bruce Cunningham will join us here in studio a little bit later on. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Also this morning, uh, Xavier Scruggs, a former MLB player, now an analyst for ESPN, is going to check in with us, talk a little bit about the Orioles. know he loves Cedric Mullins. Tom Kelso, chairman of the Maryland Stadium Authority, will tell us more about HB 896. We talked about it earlier on the week. There's over a billion dollars coming to be spent on the stadiums. So how's it going to be spent? It's our money. I think we have the right to know that. So we're going to chat with him about it. And also later on in the program, Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network, former Baltimore Ravens scout, lead NFL draft analyst for the NFL Network. We'll check in with us. We will talk about options for the Baltimore Ravens with the 14th pick in the NFL draft. All of that is coming up this morning here on GCR. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. All right, so um, the Orioles played a game last night, and you guys have apparently been getting a kick out of the same thing that I'm getting a kick out of, which is the dichotomy between how little I care and how badly Paul cares. <laughs> Paul cares very deeply. He is very concerned about every moment of every baseball game. For like, now. <laughs> well, I mean, I okay, we'll see how that goes. I know what I'm getting into. And it's not, as I remind everybody all the time, it ain't like I'm not an Orioles fan. It's that I know what this is. This is one more year where it doesn't really matter. Now, there will be things that will matter, of course, that will occur as the season goes on. And I'll be invested in those things. So I get a kick out of it every time I see Paul losing his mind on Twitter. Like, I get a little worried. I'm like, all right, easy, easy. Let's not... (laughs) Let's not go too far. Sometimes uh, I delete tweets. I'd probably for the best. <laughs> probably a couple times you step over a reasonable line and into name calling and things like that. There was one the I, other. There was one the other day that if I don't know if you've deleted. If not, I would encourage you to delete. Yeah, there I, was one I, I the other day. It was a, it was a run in with a random stranger who got uh, very. Oh mad no, I don't care about that. I don't, I don't care about any of that. It was somebody. It was something you said. The way that you described a particular Orioles player. And happened to be somebody that was recently on the show. The word that you used went beyond. That we, we have to be. It's fine to criticize. We need to be able to criticize constantly. That's what we have to do as part of our job. But you just the name. It's when it ventures into name calling. And was this on opening day? Um, Paul. I mean, come on, man. How am I supposed to remember? Because I'm usually you pretty used, careful not to. You not used a word to describe Ryan McKenna that I was like, I wouldn't use that word. I get it. I understand. There's disappointment in Ryan McKenna. I understand that entirely, but. I, it was just a particular word that you used. And I was like, ah, I wouldn't use that. I mean, not like I called you and said, take it down immediately. It was just something that I wouldn't do. I wouldn't, 
I like I have I have learned over the years. It's something that I did plenty of. I've learned over the years there are other ways to go about making the exact same point where it, it doesn't come off as being more personal, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you bumped into that person on the street, you'd be able to justify it and say, "Look, dude, you're not playing well." Like mm-hmm. I have to be able to say that. That's the way that I always go about doing this. Like if I see everything I say, I need to be able to go up to that person and say, "Dude, you can be mad at me, but you can't tell me that I'm wrong." And when you start, I think it was garbage. It was something like that. And I was like, "That's that's I, I've done it. I know it, and I understand the feeling." But it was just, it's, yeah, there's yeah. another I, I, way. I usually try to be very careful. I got into an argument with a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and okay. they said that Carson Wentz was outstanding in a game where he threw for like 160 yards. Okay, and I they were so adamant about. It. Eventually, I called them a clown, and they got super upset and like texted my wife and all well, that's that. A, that's and, a bit. That's a way over. The and top. so I was because they was they were her friend first. Okay. So I I've tried to go out of my way to make sure I don't do yeah. that. I I recall the tweet and I I feel like I may have taken it down. All right, whatever. I'm, Paul, Cooler I'm not, heads I'm, generally I'm not, prevail. I'm not really all that worked up about it. I, I honestly, it was the one that I saw that I was like, yeah, I don't think I like that. But yeah. that's that's again, that's it's your Twitter. I'm not here to to, to manage your Twitter. Um, if I, if I was, I probably wouldn't do but as I, much I, Orioles I, I, conversation. I still, I still gotta be careful. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. No, that, that's all I'm saying, right? Yeah, like, I'm no, not, I get I'm it. Not trying to, this isn't it's it's not a sermon. It's just a thought, right? That's uh, that's all this is. So I get a kick out of it because Paul so cares, <laughs> and I just don't. And it's not you know. Again, it's not like I'm not watching the games. It's not like I'm not interested in the games. I've I've watched at least some of every game. No, that's not true. I didn't watch over the weekend. I had other things going on. But this week, of course, I was at the game on Monday, and I watched nearly all of the game on Tuesday. And last night when I finished my lacrosse game, I watched the Orioles push across. In fact, I'm pulling up the app in my car. But it's nice to have an app. we got to acknowledge that. Nice that the app works. Mm-hmm. You can watch the game wherever you are. Uh, I pulled it up. I had it on in the background in the car, and because um, I really do enjoy the booth with both Palmer and McDonald in it. Um, you know, it's weird. I'm I'm starting to worry about Jim because he's very much willing to take like a secondary role behind when they 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 said this is the only time they're going to do the three man booth all season, which is kind of a bummer because it's it's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Jim very clearly is like showing deference to Ben within mm-hmm. the booth. Like when there's when there's space to jump in, Ben McDonald's jumping in first. Then Jim Palmer's jumping in. Some of that, you know, age like yeah, I get it. I understand that, but it, it's interesting. It was just interesting to watch. So, I turned it on last night and I saw the Orioles plate the two run. They got a hit with a runner in scoring position. Yes, they did. And and then I saw them give the two runs back. So, I've watched at least some of the majority of the four out of six games. I've watched at least some of. In fact, and it's possible that on Saturday or Sunday I accidentally came across it. Not on Sunday. You know what? That's not true. It was on in the background. While I was watching the Masters. I wasn't looking at it, but I saw it. So, I've watched at least some of I'd say five out of six games so far this season. But I'm just not invested. I'm being invested in the things that matter. When I watch, I want to see the guys I talked about yesterday. It's the M's. Although, ironically, we forgot about McKenna as we were doing our list yesterday. I'm invested in the M's. I'm invested in, we'll talk about John Means in a second, Trey Mancini, Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, and, of course, for more selfish reasons, Jorge Mateo. I'm invested in those guys. I want to see what they're doing. I want to watch. I want to care. I'm not going to get worked up about anything. You can't get me to get worked up about anything related to this team because this team's not good. Remember what I said last year when all the Ravens players were getting hurt? I'm like, these aren't the Ravens. Right. It's kind of similar to that. It's not the exact same because some of the pieces are here, but this is a 
These are the guys that are wearing an Orioles uniform until we get to the point where there are real Orioles again. That's the way that I go about approaching it. I, you can't get me to get worked up about these guys. These aren't the guys. Imagine being worked up about Robinson Chirinos and Rufneta Odor. Imagine. Just imagine. I'm just allowing them. Hey, I'm, not, I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying. He shouldn't be on the team. I'm just saying. I can't imagine allowing. Uh, there's only so much time in your day. There's only so many hours in your week. I'm trying to finish the Justin Fenton book so he can start. I, I got sent the screener. I want to watch it, but I want to finish the book first. The NFL draft's coming up. We're going to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Myself and the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, on Thursday, April 28th, hanging out with you with great giveaways, betting advice, things along those lines. It's the best place to be. And if you want to guarantee your spot, email us, events at sportssocialmd.com. Basketball playoffs are underway. The Hawks came through for me last night. I needed that. Now I need them to win one more so I can cash in on my bets. Lots of stuff going on, man. So much stuff that I just don't have the bandwidth to get worked up about Anthony Bemboom, whatever that is. What's Creeble's first name? What is? You're the Orioles guy. You're the guy. The I know his last name's Crable. That's all I know. Cri- is it Crable or Crable? I believe it's Crable. I, I, I wouldn't know, so I'm going to be willing to believe you. Is it you. John Crable? Sure. I, you're telling... Dude, I, how would I know? I have no clue what the guy's name is. But you can't get me to get worked up about those things. But I do... I, in a way, I find it, I don't know, touching that Paul still cares. So there were some suggestions made by a group of our friends, Brian Powell and Ken Zalis and Andrew Steck. Everybody was having a conversation about this last night. And I was listening to some of the suggestions. And one of the suggestions that was made was from Steck. And he said, what I think you should do is, Glenn, you don't watch the games at all. And you give Paul 60 seconds every day. And that's all you know about Orioles baseball. Because I had made the joke that at some point during the season, it's you getting worked up about the Orioles is all I'm going to know about the Orioles. Because at some point during the season... I'm just going to lose all bandwidth. Like, it's all going to be gone, and I'm not going to be checking in. They're going to go through a 16-game a losing streak, and I'm just going to say to myself, well, I, I don't even have a reason to check in tonight. I just have nothing else going. There's no reason. I'm not going to do that, though. I'm not going to purposefully say I won't watch the games. I mean, I do still do this for a living. I do have, a, like, a radio show on. So there's, I can't just not watch the games purposefully. There will be times where I won't, for sure, but I can't just say I'm never going to watch the games. I'm going to go to some of the games. I mean, that's come on. Like, I'm going to go to the stadium. It's still an event. It's still a thing to do. And there's going to be a first game for Adley Rutschman. There's going to be a first game for Grayson Rodriguez. There's kind of might, might come sooner. Uh, there's going to be a first game for D.L. Hall. There's going to be moments where there's going to be significant investment within the community about the particular baseball games. There'll be a lot that aren't. There'll be the majority of them that there, there aren't. But there are still even some of those. What if I bet on the game that I'm definitely going to want to watch? I've been enjoying the uh, the extra innings. Uh, the I've got because where I live, you can't get cable. I literally live in this desolate uh, uh, farm area, and so you can't get cable or internet. But you can get the satellite, and so they were giving a free preview of the extra innings package for the first couple weeks of the season. I've greatly enjoyed it. I've been poking in on games. Been bet was betting the Dodgers Twins game at one in the morning the other night and watching. I found out. Um, that uh, they might be able to be a negotiable price to keep the extra innings package. And I'm considering it because I've enjoyed it so much. I, 
I do still love baseball. I think people forget that about me sometimes. I still love baseball, and I greatly enjoyed it. I'm just not going to be emotionally invested in the Orioles until it's worth being emotionally invested again. And they say emotion, like I'm teaching my kids to be Orioles fans. When the game's on, the kids are invested. They were losing their mind about Cedric Mullins hitting a grand slam the other night. That was so great, Dad. How did he do it? Well, he hit the ball really hard, kids. <laughs> yeah, but like with the bases loaded. Yeah, and that, that was the scenario. That's why they call it a grand slam. But yeah, it was a. Am- they, they're being raised to be huge Orioles fans because I'm a huge Orioles fan. These just aren't really the Orioles. These are the guys that are lining up until the real Orioles come along. But I had the idea that Stecka was on to something. So I'm going to mesh it. Pull up your email on this computer because I've sent you a sounder. What we're going to do every day or every day after there's a game is I am going to give Paul 60 seconds. And I'm going to give him those 60 seconds to convince me of why something that happened in the previous game mattered. Now, I didn't prepare him for this today, so I'm putting him on the spot. He'll be able to prepare moving forward. Of course, we won't do this tomorrow because there's no game tonight. Mondays, I'm going to make it two minutes. I'm a benevolent man. 60 seconds on the clock for Paul to tell me why I should care. No, I mean, not yet. Wait, wait, to make sure that's lined up. I didn't realize he was playing because uh, I downloaded it. Didn't realize 60 it seconds will be on the clock for Paul to explain to me why something, to, by the way, should be easy for this one because of what happened last night. Should be one of the easier ones in order to fill 60 seconds. But I will put 60 seconds on the clock for Paul to try to convince me of why it is that I should care about what happened in the previous night's game. Sometimes he'll be talking about a game where I genuinely have no idea what even happened. I may or may not even know the result. As the season goes on, there will definitely be days where I will wake up and say, hey, the Orioles win last night. There will de- that will occur. Sometimes I will have watched a lot of the game. I'll have known, or at least Twitter will have informed me of important things that were going on. I, of course, know the most important thing that happened last night because it's you know potentially quite a story. But I will give Paul 60 seconds. I will not talk during those 60 seconds. I will not be combative. If he tries to tell me something is important that I know is not important, I'm not going to say it during the 60 seconds. When the 60 seconds are up, oh, you better damn well believe I'm going after it. But for those 60 seconds, turn. (laughs) We are struggling. I don't know why anything's playing. I haven't hit. (laughs) We got to get that figured out. We will perfect this before air. No worries. We will edit all of it out before anybody ever hears it. Not at all. No chance we're editing anything. I've got it. 60 seconds on the clock. We turn things over now to the man known as the one-minute man. He's Paul Valley. I didn't agree to that name. 60 seconds. All right, so the game starts. You're excited to be there because it's Corbin Burns against John Means, ace versus ace. John Means gives up two runs in the second inning on a couple of hits and a walk. Um, Orioles are down 2 nothing, and you're thinking, this game's over. Corbin Burns isn't giving up any runs. And sure enough, he didn't. He went seven innings, gave up no runs. John Means exits after the fourth inning in just 51 pitches, and everybody's wondering what the hell happened to John Means. Well, it turns out he has left forearm tightness, and that's not good. So another injury and another season for John Means. We'll see what that's about. The or- Trey Mancini 
with runners on base after a couple of walks. Decides to swing it to first pitch. Grounds out weakly to first base to end an Orioles scoring threat. They're now something like 4 for 52 with runners in scoring position. The Orioles then get the bases loaded with one out. Or no, I'm sorry. Yes, with one out in the eighth inning. You're thinking this isn't happening again. Yes, this is going to happen again. Until Ryan Mountcastle comes through with a two-run single. You're feeling excited. The game's tied. It's 2-2. Two to two, And... They're, they actually got to Devin Williams, who's a Cy Young winning uh, reliever. Then the Orioles, who haven't given up a run. So a couple things in there. It was a it was an RBI single. There was a sack fly after that. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're, so, right. you're but, right. You're right. By Trey Mancini. Yeah, that's correct. It, it was not a, a particularly well-struck ball, and I was, in, I was very much in fear that McKenna was going to be out of the plate, but... Um, was not a great throw from Taylor, who had made some other good throws during the series. And he was he, he was he's fast, so he, he beat it. One hundred percent, boy. Maybe he heard what you said. Um, so so thank you, Paul. You you are a phenomenal. I, I didn't get to I say the most it. important part. Well, no, the most important part is the the, the John Means. That's the most important. Well, part. yes, the, the, the part that I was upset about. You didn't get to say the part about where they ended up losing. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get to say that part. So you got to perfect it. Yeah, this was the first one. I thought sixty seconds was way longer than. Yeah, that. you gotta you gotta perfect it. Get rid of some of the minutia. You gotta really settle in on what matters most, the most important things mm. that came out of the game. So the most important thing, obviously, that came out of last night's game is John Means and the forum. Now, in the aftermath, like, it didn't seem like they were being very dramatic about it. Um, I know the Orioles fans were certainly being quite dramatic about it after the game, but it didn't seem like the Orioles themselves were being all that dramatic about it. I guess all we can say really is we'll see. That's that really is about all we can say about it until we know something more in relation to John Means. I know uh, Nathan Ruiz... <laughs> from the Baltimore Sun tweeted out, just a reminder that in the nearly two months that John Means spent on the injured list last year, the Orioles' rotation ERA was 7.63. Awesome. But this year we got you in Lyle, so not taking that into consideration. Are you there, Nathan Ruiz? Well, at least they can't lose Jordan tonight. Lyles is here. They cannot lose tonight. Um, look, I'll, you know, I can't say too much about John Means other than we'll see. The question that follows up, um, was whether or not that would accelerate the timeline for one of the meaningful pitching prospects. Probably not Grayson Rodriguez or D.L. Hall, but maybe, say, Kyle Bradish. Mm -hmm. Like, could this be the thing that leads to Kyle Bradish making his Major League debut? You know, it's a reasonable question. But what did we say he pitched the other night? How many? Uh, four innings, two hits, no runs, six Ks. No walks either. If he pitched four innings, that's... I think it's as we uh, it was uh, as Kyle and I used to joke about. That's an Orioles quality start. <laughs> Something <laughs> like, like that. That's uh, we have a special statistic for that type of performance around here. So we'll see. We'll see is all I can say about that. Um, the rest of the stuff you can't. You just can't. You still can't get me to get worked up about it. You can't get me to get worked up about it. You can't. I, don't I, care. I just. They don't give up a single run after the second inning, and then as soon as they get two runs to mm -hmm. tie the game, the bullpen comes in and they give up. I don't remember who was pitching in there. I don't it, it even was, remember. It was Jorge Lopez. Jorge Lopez. He gives up a exactly base hit to Hunter Renfro, who's two for eighteen on the year, mm -hmm. and then he gives up a seventy-six mile an hour exit velocity triple that took Anthony Santander. I timed it six years to get to <laughs> six years. You said. and to uh, you really you really wanted to drop that one in the minute, yeah. and that's what, that's what you're mad about, yeah. is that you weren't to, able to get to that. To Colton Wong, who was batting 150 with no homers and no RBIs, and all of a sudden they're down, and they, I mean, th th as soon as they give the run, they weren't scoring, because Josh Hader. 
but it was no. But they they had a chance. They they got they got guys on yeah. base, but that's not really a chance with the Orioles. That's they're 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 fair. five for fifty six with twenty eight strikeouts fair. with runners in scoring position. All right, so that is our one minute man. That is Paul Valley. We'll be doing that. <laughs> My favorite part of this segment, Paul. I'm sorry. I also need to get a I need to get a blow up sound for the end of it. I need to get an explosion sound for the end of the one minute clock. So those are the two things that I want to upgrade. <laughs> That's how we're going to do this. Paul will be able to tighten it up as we move along as he attempts to sell me on what happened in last night game, last night's game being something that mattered throughout the course of the season. John means, of course, we don't. That, does, that is relevant. That does matter. And hopefully it is uh, not significant, but we will find out. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Former MLB first baseman, now an analyst for ESPN. He is Xavier Scruggs, and he is with us this morning here on GCR. Xavier, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, no problem. Good morning to you guys, and thanks for having me. Well, it's great to chat with you. I was taken aback because you you were tweeting about the Baltimore Orioles the other day, and there's not really anybody that feels like doing that in most of the country, Xavier Scruggs. <laughs> that just doesn't happen a whole heck of a lot. Um, but you're someone, you, it seems like you are kind of enamored with Cedric Mullins, and for good reason. We're enamored with Cedric Mullins here in Baltimore. Um, w- one of the cooler stories of the last couple of years that just doesn't get a lot of attention nationally because, you know, the Orioles are a very, very bad baseball team. Yeah, I mean, for me, I look at as a as someone that covers baseball nationally, um, it's hard for me to ignore what Cedric Mullins has done. Um, he's obviously been one of the bright stars on that Orioles roster. And I look at what he did last year from an all baseball standpoint, right? It's not just offense or just defense or one dimension of his game. He does everything extremely well. And that's hard for me to ignore. Um, I look at him being obviously one of the best center fielders in our game in in a time when center field is at a premium. Like this is a position that a lot of players um, don't necessarily get the recognition that they deserve um, because there's not a lot of good center fielders out in the game today that can do what Cedric Mullins does. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate his game. Um, but But that's not the only player, right? I look at Anthony Santander. Um, I look at John Meads, obviously a tough night last night after exiting earlier. Um, there's some players on this team, Trey Mancini, um, Ryan Mountcastle. There's, there's players on this team. I just look for this team to develop and find a way to continue to get better because they're in a tough division and, and they deserve some of that national recognition as far as some of those individual players. Xavier, where are you with the, the – the, there is this in, internally in Baltimore, this fan base wants to believe – that the Orioles are laying a foundation, that they have the opportunity for this rebuild to come to fruition and replicate what Mike Elias did with the Houston Astros a few years ago. From an outside perspective, there's a lot of opinion of this is terrible for baseball and the Orioles have the lowest payroll in the game and there are literally players on other teams in baseball that are making more money this year than the Orioles are paying to the entirety of their roster where are you between the understanding what it is the Orioles are trying to do versus, yes, but what they're doing is still not good for the game on the whole? 
Yeah, um, I look at kind of how these organizations are ran, especially now today, and it's almost in a sense where you see other teams do some some things. Um, notably, I think about the Rays, right? A team that does a good job of, of doing well with the low resources or, or not spending as much on the payroll and being able to develop good young players. But the one thing from an Orioles standpoint is the the development hasn't been there from a starting pitching and a bullpen rotation, uh, a bullpen standpoint. So th- that's where I think there's a little bit of a mix-up. If there was a better job done from a development standpoint as far as pitching goes, then mm-hmm. I think you would see a, a little bit better and a little bit faster of a development when it comes to guys coming to the big leagues and being ready to perform. Another thing, too, um, it, it, understandable that they don't want to spend the money right now, right? It, but I look at the rest of this division. It's only going to continue to get tougher. So when is it a point to where you say, okay, we have to be able to spend money in order for us to even – compete towards the middle of this division. I look at the the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Yankees, even the Tampa Bay Rays went out and spent money and extended Wander Franco, and they went and got Brooks Raley and spent some money that they don't normally spend. So there has to be a point in which the Orioles say it's time for us to at least spend something to where we can get towards the middle of this division and maybe make some moves with our prospects that are coming up as well and and, and look at some trades. So that's where I I see a little bit of that disappointment, a little bit of that frustration, because this can be a better team as far as organizationally developing players in the big leagues. He is an ESPN and MLB Network radio analyst, former big leaguer Xavier Scruggs. He's with us here on GCR. Xavier, are you convinced that between the, um, you know, what, what the teams are, what the league has now done to incentivize, you know, the top prospects being on the roster on opening day each year and not manipulating service time, and we saw that was quite successful this season, right? And Adley Rutschman's not here in Baltimore, but that's because he's hurt. But everywhere else, right. the top prospects were on the roster. Rodriguez, Abram, I mean, every single one of them was on the roster on opening day. So that worked. Then combine that with decentivizing the um, the value of, of being the worst team in baseball, right? The the draft lottery that is coming starting next year. Are you convinced that they have done enough that we won't see prolonged tanking periods? That you know, there's always going to be bad baseball teams because not everybody can right. win a hundred games, right? Like the math doesn't work. But that we <laughs> we won't be seeing scenarios where teams will purposely be trying to lose 100-plus games every year for four- or five-year periods? I, I sure hope so. I, I, I think it's the, the right steps. I don't know if it completely um, cleans it out. Um, but I, I look at – and it's hard for me not to look at the Orioles, right, because if there's teams in certain divisions where they know that they're, they're almost in that rebuild process or they're starting over – it's hard not to look at the rest of the division and say, okay, maybe this should take a, a little bit longer of a process because of where we're at right now. Um, but I hope that it, it really does um, incentivize, incentivize teams to really try to put the best product on the field. Um, uh, you mentioned a guy in Adley Rushman I'm extremely excited for. Yep. Um, I even look at prospects like Grayson Rodriguez yep. coming up in that Orioles um, in that Orioles uh, development system, Gunnar Henderson, guys that D.L. Hall, like guys that are really um, going to make a statement once they 
get on the scene. And I'm hoping that's something to where the Orioles um, organization says, okay, let's give these guys an opportunity to fail at the highest level and see what they're capable of doing and how they bounce back because uh, ultimately they're going to need to. They don't really have another option at this point. So uh, to answer your question, I think it's the right steps that MLB has done to do that. And I think if it wasn't, it, it wouldn't have been something that was put in the CBA um, this past offseason. Xavier, I'm in a rough spot, right? And I'm going to compare it to, you know, you imagine, you, as you'd imagine, we're huge Ravens fans here. And it was tough because <laughs> as the season went along, and especially as we got into the playoffs, Joe Burrow was so damn likable. And the Bengals were a good story, and Jamar Chase is incredible. And we found ourselves saying, like, we shouldn't, there's no reason why we should like these guys or want them to do well because they're literally in the same division as the Orioles, but we don't hate them as much as we hate, or not the Orioles, sorry, the Ravens. We don't hate them as much as we hate the Steelers. They're, and I don't know, Joe Burrow is just such a likable guy, and he's so fun, and he's so good. And I, early on this year, and feeling some of the same feelings about the Toronto Blue Jays, who, you know, are in the division, and we should hate them, and, you know, the Orioles have actually played big games against the Blue Jays, played a playoff game against them six years ago, and... I don't know, man. Like, they're not the Yankees. They're not the Red Sox. And my God, are they fun to watch. Like, they couldn't be more fun to watch. And I just feel like they would be so embraceable for a casual baseball fan. And I'm just feeling in a weird way because I I shouldn't want to root for them. I shouldn't want to watch them. But, damn, it is hard to take your eyes off of them. (laughs) Oh, man, you're so right. I was actually at the Yankees-Blue Jays game last night, and – I think getting a sense of the energy that comes with this team, right? I think there's not so much because because I'm looking at the Yankee side, it's more of a buttoned up approach, right? And mm-hmm. you got guys that are not as passionate, or at least we don't see as much passion out there on the field, as much um, as much facial expressions as you really see with this young Blue Jays team. And I think when you talk about even marketing to our generation today with the game of baseball, the Blue Jays are the perfect example of that because you can see they have so much fun out there on the field. They let their hair down or let their hair up in, in that case for, uh, for Gurriel's case. Um, and I look at how exciting they are as far as the atmosphere they bring to each and every game. Um, you look at uh, obviously a star-studded roster, but there's a sense of laid-backness with this team. And, and I think that obviously comes with a guy like Bo Bichette, Vlad, yep. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who hit three pumps yesterday. Um, some starting pitching that looks a little bit deeper now. Um, but just a really overall exciting team to watch. And I think it's an example of what we want more of baseball to look like. And I think that's why we're so attracted to this team. Even if you do work on a, with – uh, uh, or cover another team in the division, it's hard not to want to watch this team because they bring it night in and night no out. No doubt, man. No doubt. It is just, it is such a joy. Plus, if it's them, it ain't the Yankees or Red Sox. So, you know, right. it's kind of a win win for us. Uh, all right, two more I want to run by you, Xavier Scruggs. One, of course, uh, there's all this debate about the Clayton Kershaw thing yesterday. I, I completely understand the thought process for Dave Roberts, right? He's trying to win a World Series. That's what really matters. The Dodgers have spent a billion dollars on baseball. What matters is winning a World Series. But I admittedly am conflicted about it, right? Like, I, there's a part of it that says, you know, he said 80 pitches. If, if a guy throwing 100 pitches 
early in the season is going to waste him, there might be a bigger problem that we're dealing with. What do you make of the entirety of the debate related to Clayton Kershaw yesterday? Oh, man, this is tough for me because obviously you guys know I played the game. Um, I understand from a team standpoint, you know, you got to get through 162 games. But at the same point, there's only been 23 perfect games ever thrown right. in our in, in, in this time. So for me, I look at a situation where obviously it's not all on on Dave Roberts, right? It's not all on the organization. Kershaw even said, you know, he hadn't picked up a ball until the lockout was over. So um, from that standpoint, I understand from an injury history standpoint and all that. But look. I mean, if I got a chance to go out there and make history, somebody is going to have to rip the ball out of my hands. They're going to have to fight me for the ball. I don't care. It, it, and not to mention, Kershaw's on the last leg of his career anyway. So why not just go out there and, and finish it up if you can or, or do what you can to leave your name uh, cemented legacy in this game? You're already a Hall of Famer. Put the exclamation point on it by going out there and pitching the perfect game. That's what I wanted to see as a fan, even as somebody that's played the game who understands all that comes with it. Um, but I wanted to see him go out there and finish it, just like I think most of us did. And then the last one for you, by the way, I, I agree with you for what it's worth on that. The last one for you, the <laughs> Mauricio Dubon thing from the other night. And I, admittedly, I hate everything about unwritten rules, Xavier. I am I rail against them constantly. I have no issue with a team still trying in at any point in a baseball game to play baseball. Like you want if the other team wants to quit and say we we promise you we will not we'll take every pitch and you can just strike us out every time up cuz we're done for the game. That's one thing. But laying down a yeah. bunt, Gabe Kapler made a really good point afterwards about, "Hey, we're trying to see more pitchers tonight. Like we we want to affect tomorrow's game. We want them to have to use as many pitchers as possible." And we want to give ourselves a better chance to win the game tomorrow because of it. And nobody even afterwards mentioned the thing that now everybody's talking about 24 hours later, which is we had forgotten about the game 163 thing, that game 163 is now gone and the tiebreaker is run differential. I, I, I don't know any circumstance by which you shouldn't be going out and trying to score more runs at this point because of it. What did you make of it? Greg Olson, our buddy, former Orioles closer, was railing against every Orioles fan. You know, he is ardent, hardcore, old school. You don't do this. This is disrespectful to the game. But I just don't know what the argument is at this point when run differential could be the difference in you getting into the playoffs or, you know, being a division winner instead of a wild card. Guys, this ain't your grand great grandfather's game anymore. This ain't we don't go back and, and this the old school rules don't apply every day to the new school game. Like if this is a part of somebody's game in the sixth inning, this wasn't the ninth inning, right? This is like the sixth inning. If this is a part of his game and you want to see more pitchers, you're trying to affect the next day's game or whatever it may be. Let let it let it be like we like I love Bob Melvin love love the Padres love um, especially Bob Melvin as a manager but we got to understand this is not old school baseball anymore like we cannot still live back in the day and say oh these unwritten rules um, need to be adhered by and we need to make sure that we're we're focused on those no we're trying to win everybody is trying to do well for themselves individually. And from a team aspect, and from a team aspect, look at the Padres' offense too. 
Like this is an offense that can come back no from doubt. any from any game. Right. Like, so we we cannot just lay down. And and for me, I I, I look at a situation where I understand the unwritten rules. Um, but we're in a day and age in which a lot of those things have to be thrown out the window. We cannot still live by the the old de- age um, and a lot of what they did back in the day. I, uh, we could not agree more about this particular topic, my man. Xavier Scruggs, what can we plug for you? Where are we seeing you next? Uh, where are we hearing you next? Social media, all of it. What can we get plugs in for? Yeah, you can catch me uh, every day, pretty much Monday through Friday, on Off Base MLB Network. It's a new show. Um, talking about all the things surrounding baseball, not just statistics, but what are guys wearing to the field? What are guys tweeting, Instagramming? Um, new show on MLB Network, 3 p.m. Eastern. And then you can catch me on ESPN Baseball Tonight on Sundays before the Sunday night baseball game, um, as well as Sirius XM in the morning, 7 to 10 a.m. with Steve Phillips on the leadoff spot. Uh, so, yeah, you can catch me in a lot of places, but appreciate you guys having me on. Xavier underscore Scruggs on all social media, including Instagram and TikTok. My man would love to do this more often. Greatly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Hey, no problem, guys. Keep up the good work. Talk to you soon. Xavier Scruggs checking in with us here on GCR. Uh, Paul, I'm going to run a couple of these things by you, too, um, just because you're sort of the resident baseball nerd here. Um, I, I didn't talk about, I didn't, I didn't have all the details in the Padres thing. When I went to bed on Tuesday night, I thought that Gabe Kapler was screaming at his own guy because that was the tweet that the John boy folks sent out. And then Gabe Kapler after the game was like, I wasn't screaming at him. I was telling him good job. That's what we wanted him to do. And Paul or Stan and I, in our, uh, our segment, uh, one more thing, we ended up talking about it yesterday. The, I, I utterly had forgotten about the run differential thing. Completely forgotten about it. There's no argument. Look, there, there, I was always going to argue on the side of unwritten rules be damned, but I at least typically have said, hey, I understand. I understand the idea that, like, at some point it's a bit much. But anymore, that argument is dead. Like, the rules are what they are. It, the, the Giants might very well, especially in that division – where both the Padres and the Dodgers are likely to be very good, they absolutely could end up in a, a tie situation at the end of the season. There is, you know, if you wanted, to, if this was an Orioles Royals game, it might be a diff- more difficult thing for me to believe that the tiebreaker was going to matter. But for the Giants, the tiebreaker one thousand percent could matter. There is no argument for me against Mauricio Dubon bunting in that situation. So for me. I knew that they, that they had found a way to eliminate the game 163. I didn't realize it was run differential until yeah. till you said it. And then that and the point that Kapler made about how we want to see as many p- uh, pitchers as possible to impact tomorrow's game, it makes sense to me. The, the, you ha- And honestly, on its surface, if I had seen that, I would have been like, what are you doing? You're up nine in the six. Yeah, what's, what, what, what are you doing? But n- knowing about the run differential and the point that Gabe Kapler made, I don't have an issue with it. You got you're you're trying to score, and it's only the sixth inning. You can you can get back into this game. It's hilarious how we pretend like it. You just have to let the other team have a better chance to come back and win. Mm-hmm. Like, are you guys saying we're not going to play anymore? Right. And if that's the case, then let's just call quits. Right. Let's just throw our hands up and walk off the field. That was always my argument against the unwritten, unwritten rules. Have you guys stopped trying? Are you telling us that you're not trying any longer? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to go up there and they're going to swing to try to, to if if you get a couple of runners on base and try to put together an inning? I've been. I was at that famous. Um, this is a story. The Mariners Indians. It was what is it? Eleven run comeback. Something yeah. like that. All those years ago, my my father's family is in Ohio. We just happened to be out there that night, and literally, we went to the game, 
And then afterwards, we had parked in a parking because we left. It was so lopsided. But we parked in a parking garage that overlooked the stadium. Mm-hmm. And as we walked back to the car, people were like, "Get!" There was a lot of noise. We're like, "What the hell's going on?" And everybody's like, "Dude, they're coming back. The Indians are coming back. This is crazy." So we sat overlooking the stadium in this parking garage and watched the game from there. After we had left the game, it happens. It has happened. We have seen huge comebacks before. I'm always going to be opposed to anything that involves unwritten rules. We'll right. always be opposed to it. Um, you can Greg Olson can say everything you want about like this is how you keep order and all that. And shut the f up, I'm, I'm, Greg. I love you. I love you, but you are talking about the game from a different era. If these multimillionaires are so fragile that they can't handle it, they need to seek help. They do. I'm telling you, you need to seek help if you're that fragile. And I, I mean, a lot of people should probably seek help. Well, most of us would probably be well off seeking help during baseball games. Paul might need to seek help. <laughs> Um, when you're at the game, you have a more vested interest. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, Paul, We're not I, getting back I into love it. You. Settle down. I love you. All right. Um, so there's that. The Kershaw thing. What'd you think of that? Um, I I understood it. Yeah. I, I I I got it. I, I I was I was surprised, but I wasn't upset because we've seen two other guys get taken out by the Padres yep. on back to back nights where they had six inning, seven inning no hitters. Well, Dave Roberts has done this a couple times. Yeah, it, it's did it with Walker things. Bueller. Did it with Ross Stripling once upon a time. And the thing is, I didn't know Clayton Kershaw said he hadn't picked up a baseball since yeah. uh, until the lockout ended. Which means, how good do you have to be the first know, your right? first start to just Jesus. go out there and, and and do what he did? Uh, yeah, and he's a guy with back issues. You want him for the whole season. You're not trying to, you know, a perfect game is nice, but I, I the flip side argument being it's history, but and it's not just history, but it's also okay. But you don't know how many pitches it's going to take him, right? Like, if he goes back out there in, in the eighth inning and he labors a little bit, then it's easier for me to say, okay, you're done, mm-hmm. right? Like, if, if it looks like – but if if he can work through an eight-pitch inning and if he can get through a perfect game throwing 95 pitches, if 95 pitches is asking too much of Clayton Kershaw, I think you got bigger problems all year long, right? Like, I, I the only thing that I come back to is that that you magically decided there was a number where it was just over, Right? right, and that I've never fully been okay with. There's where I would say there maybe should be a little bit more give. Yeah, and I get it. The players have more power, and because they're making so much money, it might very well be that it was predetermined by everybody involved. No matter what, come hell or high water, we're not going past 80 pitches. Tonight. Right, but I, I don't know. It, it just rubs me the wrong way. You look at, and I think he did it against the Orioles, Johan Santana mm. for the Mets. He threw a no hitter. And it was like 137 pitches, and they left him out there longer than they should have, but he got the no-hitter. Yeah, that's an extreme number of pitches. And and the next thing you know, he, I right. think he got one more never, start. It was and, never and the same. Right. He was never the same Un- after that. Understood. It, it, the no-hitter wasn't against the Orioles. It was, who's it against? Or was it, no, R.A. Dickey threw the no-hitter yeah. against the Orioles with Correct. the Mets. Um, but he did it like a week before. Something. I, it was very close together. I, I, the, the point to me being... I get it, but this is not. This wasn't 137 pitches. Right. In no ways am I going to encourage you to do a hundred. You know, to go be- well beyond a hundred. Right. But 80. If the difference between 80 and I, you're just, it's, you're hard pressed to sell me the difference between 80 and 90 being all that significant. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're just really hard pressed to sell me on that for one start. So I would have at least seen. Right. Roll it back out there, and if again, if he gets into any sort of, if he, if the next guy works an eight pitch at bat. And, and and you're at 90 pitches with just one more out, then it's easier for me to say, like, okay, we tried. We tried. It didn't work out. We're done. We're not going any further than that. 
but I would at least roll it back out there. Right. And, now, and, and I get that. At least let him start the eighth inning and see what he does. Now, I'm, I'm wondering, because I don't watch the post-game shows of these other teams, right? I don't no. watch the Orioles post-game right. shows. So, um, I'm wondering what the thoughts were from like a guy like Sean Manaya, Hugh Darvish, and now Clayton Kershaw after they got taken out and then the next pitcher gave up a hit to ruin things. Yeah, I think that I they're what they I thought. just think they're at peace. I think yeah. once once it's not them, I just don't think it's a big deal for starting pitchers to be a part of a combined perfect right. game or a combined no. I just don't like, but more I, like I think you, it's you, an anomaly more than it is an accomplishment, right? right. Like, uh, yeah, that's 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 cool. Yeah, I the, guess the, I was part the of combined that. Combined no hitters, in my opinion, isn't a huge deal. You, you could argue it's more impressive. Eh, I guess, but I disagree. Like, it's just not. I don't think it's a thing. Yeah. I don't. I. I. You know, the Orioles had one all those years ago. They've been on the other side of the. But it's just. It doesn't mean anything. Like the the no hitter is an accomplishment of a pitcher, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I just don't get the sense after that that it matters all that much. How about Madison really. Bumgarner's uh, seven inning no hitter? Does doesn't go in the yeah, box yeah, seven innings. right. The double header, yeah, thing. I've I've said before that like you know you guys change the rules like that should probably reflect that. It's some, right. But it's a different conversation. And then quickly, am I a bad guy if I find myself adopting the Blue Jays as the season goes on? Are you? Yeah. Um, no. There's so the, the, much, there's uh, just so Jose much Bautista fun, and Edwin Encarnacion aren't there anymore. The, like, and that was a reason to hate the Blue Jays. Well, it's Cito Gaston. Like, and and, and Gaston. They aren't yeah. there anymore. The Blue Jays are a young, fun team. There's they so have much, all this talent. There's so much fun, and they're not the Yankees, and they're not the Red Sox, right. and they could be what prevents the Yankees and the Red Sox from spoiling our, our October. I don't think that you can... Uh, you can do whatever the hell you want. but I, I, Obviously. I, I don't think that you can adopt them as your team. I'm uh, telling you, I want to watch the Blue Jays. But I think that you can want to watch them, and I think that you can enjoy watching them. But I, I wouldn't go around saying, I adopted the, the, the Blue Jays. I'm team. not telling you I'm buying a hat. I don't know, I just, man. What if your kids buy you a Blue Jay hat and want you to wear nah. it every game? Well, every I, mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I would say, no, we don't do that here. Um, and they've already gotten me that hat. So I'm not telling you I'm buying gear. I'm just saying, like, it's really hard. They are they are very must-watch for me. They are electric. If they're on right and now. the Orioles aren't, or the Orioles are in, a, or in between. Or they're just very bad. Uh, I will, I, I'm never going to stop watching. But I'll, I'll turn the Blue Jays on. Sure. Really exciting, they're a fun man. team. They're really exciting. Hey, uh, Stan the Fan and Gary Stein will be catching up with uh, a very talented author, Jack Author. Author? What, what is an author? I believe they, they crack clams on their tummies. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Jack Gildon, um, who has written a book about Spectacular Bid, the legendary horse. Uh, they're going to be talking about that tonight on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Sports. If you miss it, find it tomorrow. Pressboxonline.com slash video. And if you missed earlier in the week, Stan and Ross Grimsley catching up with great Kenny Singleton. You can find that as well. When we come back in, we're going to learn more about the – money that's coming to the stadiums. The chairman of the Maryland Stadium Authority, Tom Kelso, joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, O's families, break out your orange and black for kids' opening day on April 17th when the O's take on the New York Yankees. Be one of the first 7,500 fans, 14 and under, to receive an Orioles pop-it toy. And after the game, kids are invited to take to the field and run the bases like the pros, all presented by Wise Markets. Plus, experience a family fun day at the yard with caricatures, the Easter Bunny, and more. Celebrate the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards with kids' opening day. Buy now at Orioles.com kids. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. We were talking a lot earlier in the week about the passage of HB 896 in the legislature this week, which will commit um, over a billion dollars of funding for the downtown stadiums. And joining us now to explain it more to us is the chairman of the Maryland Stadium Authority. He is Mr. Tom Kelso and is with us now here on GCR. Tom, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Absolutely, guys. I really appreciate you uh, having me on. And, um, yeah, I look forward to uh, to talking with you today. Well, Tom, can uh, understand I am a noted dumb guy, all right? This is why I do what I do for a living. If I had real skills, I'd probably be using them somewhere. But I'm, I'm here and I yak about uh, uh, dumb things. So can you meet me at my level Explain to me, like I'm five, why is the the passage of this bill so important, and what does it tangibly mean for the Maryland Stadium Authority, for the downtown stadiums? Well, um, that's a great question and a great way to phrase it. And um, you know, I'll happy. I'm, I'm going to try to uh, to unpack it some for you. Um, the bill really does uh, a number of things. The first thing it does is is that it allows the stadium authority to borrow up to $1.2 billion at any one point in time um, to uh, reinvest in the Camden Yard Sports Complex. And that's essentially $600 million 
to the Oreo Park portion of the uh, complex and $600 million um, to the M&T Bank Stadium portion of the complex. So, um, and the idea is, is that um, this money would be used for reinvestment in the stadiums and the surrounding uh, portions of the complex um, in order to really increase the fan experience so that the teams have the greatest likelihood of being able to continue to maximize the uh, live attendance at uh, baseball games, football games, entertainment events, and, you know, down the road, hopefully be able to morph the complex into, you know, somewhat more of a live work play environment where it becomes more integrated into the surrounding neighborhood um, and that, um, you know, the complex, you know, has utilization on more than just uh, game days or when there are concerts. So that, that's important from that perspective. And when I say up to $1.2 billion outstanding at any one time, as is that as bonds are issued um, and the debt is repaid, is is that we can borrow back up to $1.2 billion. So okay. what this will uh, allow is, is for not just current investment or reinvestment in the stadiums, but it will allow for future reinvestment in the stadiums because it has an evergreen feature. Um, and this is important uh, for a number of reasons. One is, is that if we want to extend the useful lives of these stadiums, which we do, and it's a lot cheaper to reinvest in them than it is to build new ones, um, we need to do this. But the other is, is, is that uh, in order to access the money, the teams would have to have a uh, lease or a lease extension yep. with the Maryland Stadium Authority that would be at least as long as the longest bond that would be issued and outstanding. So it's essentially a way to keep the partnerships with the teams ongoing to where we don't have these lease cliffs like we've, um, you know, essentially have come to uh, with the Orioles after their 30-year lease is expiring. So it's a way to really develop, further develop this partnership between the teams and the MSA, maximize the value and the return um, that both parties, that all parties can derive from uh, the stadium and really um, by really increasing the opportunities for improving the fan experience, not just today, but as that fan, the needs on the fan experience desires continue to change in the future is, is that we can continue to modify the stadiums, you know, to create the venues within the stadiums to be able to watch games or watch entertainment events and partake in other things that might happen at the stadiums um, the way the way people really want to do it. Tom, that was pretty good for trying to dumb it down for a guy like me, by the way. That was well handled. Well, well I had to dumb it down for myself first. So. <laughs> Tom, um, uh, Tom Kelso, the chairman of the Maryland Stadium Authority, with that in mind and what you just said related to the lease – are, are you confident that this was the like sort of the final domino that needed to fall in order to get a new lease done specifically with the Baltimore Orioles? Well, um, you know, we have a phenomenal relationship with both teams. Um, and we've had a lot of meaningful discussions with the Orioles about how we would go forward. And certainly the construction of this uh, bill was highly influenced by discussions that, you know, we've had with the Orioles senior management. Um, 
So we are confident. And if you know uh, what John Angelos posted yep. on the team website on Monday, um, you know that the Orioles are really excited about this opportunity to be able to work with us and to help reimagine um, Camden Yards for the next generation of fans. Um, but, you know, as you try to um, uh, work out a new agreement, I mean, you know, it requires both parties to, you know, make some decisions and, um, you know, we'll get there. I have no doubt that we'll get there. Um, but we still need to go through the exercise before we can actually issue bonds. But that doesn't prevent the teams from uh, surfacing concepts uh, from the stadium authority to begin working on um, uh, looking at feasibility of those concepts, costing those concepts, working with the teams to refine those concepts. So, you know, it's not like the team is going anywhere. We're confident of that and that it's just a matter of time before um, we complete the uh, new lease or a lease extension, which is feasible, um, and, you know, actually begin construction on um, new projects. Tom Kelso with us on GCR. Tom, it, it sounds in listening to you like the the idea of the area around the stadium is is kind of a priority and, and I've I've heard people compare like what, what happens in, in Boston around Fenway Park or um at, at, in Foxborough there's the area I think it's called Patriot Place right outside the stadium. It, 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 do we believe again, I'm gonna use the word confident, can we feel confident that that is going to be a part of this next phase for Camden Yards, that the Camden Yards complex, and I don't know if it's the space between the stadiums or, or where it would be, will involve something like that, a a more, you know, as you say, live, work, play, right? That type of thing, an entertainment, restaurants, office space, whatever it is, being part of the actual stadium complex in the years to come. I think the answer is, is yes. Um, I think it's inevitable um, you know, in addition to the um, locations that you listed, you know, if you think about what happened in Atlanta, if you look at what's being done in St. Louis, mm-hmm. what's being done around the new Texas Rangers Stadium, you look at what's being done in Seattle and Denver and places like that, um, you know, incorporating um, live and work and other options for play, you know, surrounding these stadium investments is really important. And so, you know, one of the big selling points of this legislation is, is that this is leverageable uh, investment. So the state is willing to make these investments, but that doesn't preclude the teams or for, from third parties of also making investments. So we don't need to do it all with state money. As a matter of fact, I feel certain is, is that we probably couldn't do it all with state money. But we have to begin that planning process and begin to surfacing these opportunities so that the teams and, um, you know, potentially third party um, uh, developers, you know, can come in and look and see what opportunities are available and make us proposals. Um, but we shouldn't forget is, is that there's a large private investment already south of the M&T Bank Stadium sure. with the Horseshoe, Top yep. Golf. Uh, the Paramount Theater, um, and we want to open that gateway up too so that M&T Bank Stadium becomes more integrated into um, what's happening south of the stadium. Yep. We really want to concentrate and do more of that north of the stadium um, where there's been less, there's been private investment, but it's been you know less effective in terms of really creating a 
um, a, a pathway or a gateway um, into the stadium complex. And we want to focus on that as well. Um, so, um, you know, there's a lot um, of theoretical things that can be done, but we can't do it all by ourselves. And we have to, you know, use the $600 million in each stadium as um, smartly as, as we possibly can um, to incent other people to come in and invest. And if you go back to the late, uh, mid to late 1980s, when Oriole Park, the Camden Yards complex was conceived, you know, the idea was to increase residential, to increase business investment, um, to increase um, uh, um, uh, entertainment uh, options in this part of Baltimore. And for whatever reason, we haven't gotten there yet. And partly it's because things always take more time than we would like for them to take. But I think we need to remain true to the vision of what this complex was intended to do, not just have two stadiums, but to really activate a portion of the city um, that, um, you know, can become more dynamic. Just another couple minutes here with Tom Kelso from the Maryland Stadium Authority. He's the chairman, of course, of the Maryland Stadium Authority. Tom, uh, specifically when we brought this up with listeners the other day, you know, and said, hey, you, I'm, I'm giving you the money to spend. What is it? What do you dream of? What is it that you want? Um, as you wouldn't be surprised, a lot of people bring up the idea of a roof over the football stadium. And I don't, one, the Ravens have, have pushed back on just about anything. They constantly talk about over the years the value of playing to the weather and how it fits what they're trying to do. And then you sort of combine that with the, I don't even know what the feasibility of something like that is. Like, I don't know if there's any amount of money that would make it work. Is it at all a thought? You know, we all know what other opportunities can come for events and dates when a stadium has the ability to have a roof over it. Is it at all even possible for these conversations? Well, theoretically, uh, from an engineering standpoint, it's my understanding it is, is, is that it is possible. Um, the question is, is, is do you get a return for that right. incremental investment? And are there enough things that you could program uh, on a 365-day-a-year basis inside that would justify making that large of an investment. And, um, you know, the Ravens, from a team perspective, um, you know, they've not shown any desire to do that. Yep. Um, and I think that everybody remains skeptical that um, uh, that, that kind of investment would actually uh, provide the types of returns that we're looking for. So um, that's not to say that it can't be done. And just what we know today uh, will change. What we'll know five years from now will be different. What we'll know 10 years from now will be different. And so the beauty of this legislation is, is it doesn't uh, uh, contemplate that everything has to be done today, that it can be done in a series of investments over time. And it doesn't just contemplate state funding. It contemplates other funding. So that, you know, as people see opportunities in the future and things become more feasible, it doesn't prevent us from doing those things. And then the last one that I have for you, Tom, is, you know, we, you talk about state funding and people mention this is public funding we're discussing. And it was brought up to me by a couple of different people that that should allow, you know, some more public access. We used to see, uh, like, City Poly, the football game, being played at the football stadium and the state high school championship games were played there and then they put in natural grass and then they were reluctant to have those events be there because of what it did to the field. 
is is there something to be said for hey if we're talking about public mon- money we might need to meet in the middle a little bit and allow for there to be more public opportunities for the community to have events at these facilities? Well, um, you're talking about inside the stadiums um, on the playing field, yep. um, which is a little bit different than what we do a lot of, which is, is making the stadiums themselves, the external, the building facilities and the parking lots available for lots of sure. functions, sure. whether they're races or festivals yep. or what have you. And we like to do more of that. And the stadium authority works actively with groups that, you know, want to come to the complex and bring events. We do that. Um, as for, you know, what goes on in the stadiums on the playing fields, you know, we lease these stadiums to the teams 365 days a year. Um, and, you know, it's their job to program them, but also to protect their own investments. So, you know, I understand where the Ravens were coming from. They weren't trying to um, be um, uh, dismissive of the value of Poly City or Loyola Calvert Hall or the uh, other state football championship games. Um, but when they did go to natural grass, is, is that if there's an NFL game that, that, side, that Sunday or that yeah. Monday night after that game, and it's a, you know, a, a torrential downpour that day of the um, high school games, is, is that you can't put that turf back into NFL playing shape. And, you know, the teams have large investments in players and the players have large investments in their careers. So, you know, there's a there's a push pull there, if you will. Yep. So, you know, I know the Ravens have heard this. Um, I know they heard it from um, Senator McRae, um when we testified in front of the Budget and Tax Committee the other day. Um, and I know that they're, you know, looking at at the various options and, um, you know, and I, I I'm, you know, unsure, you know, what number of groups would um, be able to be on the field at Oriole Park. Um, but, you know, the Orioles have opened this up now to doing concerts where the stages are set up on the field, yeah. et cetera, and are trying, you know, through different things to, you know, give people access. You know, one of the other things that we want to do is, as an authority is, is to open the stadiums up uh, for tours, um, maybe in conjunction with Baltimore City Schools. We bi- we're building all of their brand new schools and we have a okay. great relationship with city schools. And, you know, maybe we could bring in groups of uh, students every year um, and you know, really give people, young people access, you know, to something that they may not otherwise I like that. have a chance to see. I like yeah. that. It'll maybe. be fun. Yeah. That's fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, maybe even incorporating, you know, as we talk about that that sort of live, work, play, maybe incorporating like a, a team museum, something along those lines with something like that. That would make a lot of sense. All right, uh, yes. Tom yep. Kelso, I know people can follow the Maryland Stadium Authority on Twitter at MD Stadium, A-U-T-H, Authority shortened, and it's mdstad.com is the website. Is there anything that, anything else that people are looking for more information or have questions or anywhere else we can guide them? No, I think that's the best place to uh, to go. And I know that the teams will, as they develop these concepts, they want to get the marketing benefit from getting some of these ideas out and getting fan feedback and stuff. So, you know, I would think that the next 10 to 12 months are going to be a you know pretty exciting time, at least conceptually. And at Oriole Park, you know, as they start bringing in new players and the idea of some investments in the stadium, yeah, I think that's going to help generate a lot of interest going into uh, to next year. Tom, we will be in touch as we learn more. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, guys, thanks a lot. Appreciate the opportunity.
Tom Kelso, chairman of Maryland Stadium Authority, joining us here on Glenn Clark Radio. And with that in mind, let me welcome in a friend of mine. I believe we're colleagues again now yeah. on 105.7 The Fan. He is no longer a working stiff. <laughs> and I think I can tell because he's got a 5 o'clock shadow going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he is the great Mr. Bruce Cunningham, and he is with us here in studio. It is great to see you, well, my thank friend. You. It's great to be seen. You know, my dad always says he'd rather be seen than viewed. Yeah, okay, yeah. now to explain that to yeah. me. What's the what's the thought process you know, there? When when you die, you're... you're oh, viewed. Yeah. All right, my... He's 94. You know what? My you bad. Know. My bad, Bruce. I should have been on top of that one. <laughs> that one was a good one. Great to see you. Thank you for stopping in. Be- sure. Just because we're coming on the tail end of that conversation, you hear these numbers, $1.2 billion. Yeah. Now, it's borrowed. It's not all just being given. It's borrowed. But that's a lot of public money. Yeah. And I know how much you care about sports. I know you understand what sports can do for a community. But you also know there are going to be people that are always going to push back on that and say, yeah, have you seen my road? Have you seen the school I'm sending my kids to right now? What What are we doing? Well, the, the rule in any investment is, uh, you know, am I going to lose money? You never lose money on deals like this if you're the state. You know, the tax revenue comes back at you. And, and you know, th- this whole stadium Russian roulette game has been played now for 40 years probably. And uh, even if uh, you have a facility built for you, you're going to put pressure on to continually improve it. Yep. You're going to want to be right at the top. And so, yeah. And the teams have the leverage because there's always they, another community yeah, that's yeah. willing to st- – this is the – it's what I talk about with quarterbacks right now in the NFL. <laughs> They've got all the leverage yeah, because right. there's somebody that doesn't have one. Right. And right now, Portland and Las Vegas and Nashville and all of these places, you know, Indianapolis, Charlotte, they all look and say, what could give our economy a boost if we had a professional baseball team? Yeah, baseball's about saturated the, the country, though. There's very few places you could take a team. The, um, Charlotte had a shot at the Twins and, mm-hmm. and turned it down uh, when the Twins are trying to get the new stadium built, and they, they weren't interested. If Nashville wants a team, well, Tampa Bay's sitting down there just waiting for the phone sure. to ring. You sure, know, they're, they're they're not going, in a great situation. No stadium deal. Right. And then on the West Coast, if you're talking about Las Vegas, uh, the Oakland A's. They're it just make a lot there, of sense. No stadium deal. You know, baseball, they at least have a plan in it, Oakland, it, right? It, they do. But if you go into a community that hadn't had baseball and, and you, you go to the fan base and you say, all right, I'm open 81 nights. Let's have your money. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to ask for from a, let's say, uneducated fan it's base. It's fair. It's fair. But a lot of people said the same thing about hockey when it went to Vegas, right? Yes. And, like, and said, really? Right. Vegas? It's a small yeah, market. Can they, you make it work? Uh, well, as it turns out, it's one of the most successful franchises in the league. It works. It, it's worked significantly yeah. well. They've figured out that Vegas can be a major player as a sports market. Look, if they want a baseball team, build a stadium, and they will get a baseball team. I'm not in any way suggesting that the Orioles – when we do this bit where people are like, oh, the Orioles might move, I'm not playing that game. What I'm saying is there's a reason why the state of Maryland has to do something like this is because the leverage exists for the teams to say, hey, look, you don't want to invest more money right now. That's fine. This place does. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we speed the process up a little bit. You know, they're a small market team now, the Orioles are. Uh, they, small market teams don't exist in the NFL because, you know, it's, Revenue such, a, sharing, it's yeah. such a socialistic organization. And the great irony is you've got 32 of these <laughs> the largest <laughs> capitalists in the world, right. and they belong to the yeah, socialistic organization. It's a great point. It it's, really is. It's yeah. socialistic as hell. 100%. Uh, but uh, they will remain a small market franchise. So what they have to do is sort of conquer or learn the formula that they have in Tampa Bay and, and other places, Oakland to a lesser extent. 
you know, you, you got to find a way to win anyway. You okay? You bring that up. I got so much I want to cover with you. I don't know if an hour is going to be enough. We might have to do this more frequently, or you might have to come uh, sit in with Rita and I on Sundays at some point. Um, I, the idea of replicating Tampa is something that's been very difficult for yeah. me, right? Yeah. Because we talked about this at the beginning. I remember having lengthy conversations about how you approach this and doing something like a rebuild. And replicating Tampa is cold and it's calculated. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to get kids invested in your baseball team because you're constantly going to trade away the players they love. That's the way it's going to work. You know, a, a, a old baseball guy I know was in the game 50, 60 years. He said, you know, baseball stayed out of Florida until the 80s. And maybe they were right. You know, hmm. Hmm. interesting. Uh, it, it just neither team has really burnt the woods down, you know, in terms of attendance or support or anything like that. So it, it's hard to figure. But then again, the Marlins have some of the highest TV ratings in, in the league. So it's ironic. It's, it's ironic. But the idea being that in Tampa, they found a way to win, yeah. but it still hasn't engaged the community. No. Now, I know part of it we talked about that I didn't know about at first was just the sheer distance between the stadium, and the actual Tampa community. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's insane where they built the stadium. you got to take this awful interstate that goes around. It, it's it's, it's, it's baddest. Yeah. As someone, Bruce, I'm a Coyotes fan because I spent a couple years out in Phoenix, and we never had a hockey team here, right? Like I never, I, I was not ingrained with hockey in any way growing up because well, I was Well, we did. Well, okay. We had we never had an NHL team no, specifically. No, no. And I did go to Skipjacks games and I went to Bandits games. When, I went to all those things. But we, I was when we first started over at Fox Forty Five, this the, the conversation's about to get freewheeling. Oh, okay? sure. What the I'm hell? What are we doing? About, go crazy. Uh, 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 Sports Unlimited when it first started, yeah. ninety one to say maybe ninety five, ninety six, we had a set that was lockers. And all the teams had given us jerseys, okay, uh, to hang, and, and we would the interns had to go out and hang the locker, you know. Sure, every, sure. Um, I have a Skipjacks jersey, and on the back where it should have a last name, it says Fox, and then of course it's number forty-five. Forty-five, right? Of course, that's that makes sense. Great I, for that. Dude, I have I have a Bandits jersey. I don't. I I went to a Bandits game. I couldn't even tell you anything about the Bandits experience to this day. <laughs> like, I don't quick. remember it existing, other than I remember being excited about it when it happened because uh, I wanted to get into hockey. The guy that owned the Skipjacks and moved him to Portland, right. where they've been very successful, uh, he told Tom Ebright, I think was his name. Okay. He, he said, you know, it's just hard to operate a minor league franchise in, in a, a major, major league, league town. In 100%. It's very difficult to do. Yes. So I move out to Phoenix, and I fall in love with hockey because I'm working on the station that's got the Coyotes, and they're having me do pregame and postgame, which I was woefully uh, unqualified for. And literally the postgame show was turning the, the – all right, the Coyotes lose the night 3-1. to one. Want to hear from you guys. And then just taking calls for, for letting them go and then saying – all right, Phil. Sounds good, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Like that was all I could because I didn't know the game. I just didn't know it, but I fell in love with it, and so I became a Coyotes fan. And people always trash the Coyotes, right? Nobody goes to the games, and they don't understand that the arena is way out in the desert in yeah. West Phoenix, where I had a job on the east side of town, and in order to get over there for games, it would take me an hour mm. and hour no, to get there afterwards and they don't understand what a significant problem it is everybody's like well phoenix doesn't work as a hockey market i'm like maybe it doesn't i don't know but you can't judge it by this yeah. this is not the way that you judge it as a market right, and i right. would say some of those things about tampa but what i would also say is it's tough to get people ingrained so if you are the orioles and you're trying to replicate something you might be able to sustain success doing the raise thing but would it work with the community embrace it 
if the players were constantly going. No, I don't know. I don't know. Baltimore is a loyal town that way. Mm-hmm. You, you, I, I think the plan now is to develop stars and hang on to them. I, 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 that is what I'm getting from a lot. I lives. hope. Well, I hope that's the case. It better be. Right. I mean, they, they've, they've uh, tested some patience around here. And <laughs> then, they ever. You know, the crowd on, on night two was minuscule. You know, it's kind of embarrassing, you know. But then again, this is Baltimore. You know, you got to give me a reason to go to the game. Bruce, you know, uh, Jerry Eisenberg from um, yeah. the New York yeah. Star Ledger, yeah. right? Yeah. Legendary columnist. Yeah. And I got, I got to remember the quote. He was writing one time about the Preakness, and I, I'm a Kentucky Derby guy. I've done my show from. I love it. My my wife's got family down that way. I love it. And Jerry Great Eisenberg, town. it's wonderful. Oh, when the when the, the you know the radio station went under here, one of the first offers I had was from Louisville, and I literally had to sit down with my wife and say. I know we're committed to being here, but tell me why you wouldn't. Tell me why you wouldn't want to go there. Yeah. Um, but Jerry Eisenberg once wrote, and I, God, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so I apologize for this, but because it stayed with me forever. You in in, um, in in Louisville, the Kentucky Derby is a fairy tale. In Baltimore, the Preakness is a horse race. <laughs> you can't convince people here that something is something that it isn't. But what is Baltimore? Baltimore is not pretentious that way. No, you know we're, this is we we are very straightforward. Yeah. We're very we're not jerks. We're not. You know, I'm a, I'm New a, York. I'm a come here. You know, I wasn't born here. Right, uh, and, and that's one of the things. But about you've Baltimore. been here for for long enough that you're you very much are one of us. But well, thank you. But yeah. and that's quite a compliment, believe me. Uh, but uh, one of the things I loved most about Baltimore from the very beginning is that there's just not a lot of BS. No, you know, I mean, you you know where you let's cut with the people. let's get to the point. Just <laughs> cut the crap. Cut all the the yeah. sales pitch get to the point let's have an actual conversation let's get through all of the minutiae all the back and forth let's cut all that we put everything on the table and let's go let's get things figured out right like that's the way that we operate around here. except nothing ever gets figured out there's a lot of that too you're unfortunately right about that bruce all right i want to do something with you this morning if i could um don't make me cuss Ah, uh, you can do whatever you yeah, want. Know, We're on the internet. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to break hair. I, I don't. I don't do that. It's typically. I think every now and then after a Ravens game, Reed and I will have some fun with it. But other than that, we don't do it here. Um, I want. We do a segment. We've done it over the years called Definitive Power Rankings. It's like everybody else does. Okay. It, right. It's. It means nothing, but it's just fun lists. Right. And I want from you. Mm. It can be whatever number it is. I want from you, the most fascinating figures that you have been around. And covering sports in Baltimore for the last three plus decades. Uh, okay, how many? Five. You 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 decide what the number is. All right. All right? All you right. decide what the number is, well, and I'm, that's why I'm, gonna, I'm we're going to give you a break to think about it. We're going to keep having. A, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about what you're doing. I want to do all that. But before we wrap up, I want Bruce Cunningham's definitive power rankings. So one being the most fascinating. Just, just since I've been here. Since you've been here, I can the do folks that. that you've actually covered, yes. that you've gotten to know, you spent time around right, right. the whole thing. With hoping that there's maybe somebody on the list, everybody's like, "Who? That guy? Really? Like, you know?" There might I, be. I, that's what I'm looking for. All right, from you this morning. Okay. Bruce Cunningham is in studio with us. We got a lot to talk about. We've already we're already 20 minutes in, and look at where we are. Today's show also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Seasonal menu available right now. The opener, the oh, the pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. It's so freaking good. I can't put it into words. But they got other things I haven't even had a chance to try yet, and I'm looking forward to getting over there and trying it, like the uh, baseball cut sirloin with the blue cheese, the grilled shrimp with garlic butter, a strawberry salmon salad. Sounds pretty good to me. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Hey O's families, break out your orange and black for kids opening day on April 17th when the O's take on the New York Yankees. Be one of the first 7,500 fans 14 and under to receive an Orioles pop-it toy. And after the game, kids are invited to take to the field and run the bases like the pros. All presented by Wise Markets. Plus experience a family fun day at the yard with caricatures, the Easter Bunny, and more. Celebrate the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards with kids opening day. Buy now at Orioles.com slash kids. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. We wore pants today, but uh, Bruce is retired now, so he might have actually been okay if we had said. You know what? You know what? It's my first time out of sweats. Dude, what a life, man. Since April 1st. But like Jerry told George, sweats means you've given up. You know? <laughs> okay, wait a second. But you haven't given no, up. No, I haven't given up at all. So I'm... so let's talk about you. All right. All right. You're doing the radio show on Saturdays. Yeah. And we're supposed to do some more. Okay. But I haven't had time to sit down with Chuck Sapienza yep. about it because he's been too busy with you bozos. Well, now, wait a second. Trying now, to get wait every, a, you know. Now, wait a second. No, he's, eventually we're going to talk, and I'm going to do some more stuff during the week. Cool. But I don't want to do all that much. I've, I've done plenty. So, okay, th- let's talk about that. Yeah. What is it What is it that you want? Because I remember, like, Mills, we having the conversation with Mills when he retired, yeah, and I was like, yeah. 
Dude, it doesn't sound like you're retired at all. Yeah. It just sort of sounds like you're not getting up at two in the morning anymore. Uh, yeah, and my main thing is I'm not I'm not getting home at midnight anymore. Right. Uh, I got so tired of that. I'm blaming five years, yeah. forty five years. Yeah. So uh, that's the one thing I didn't want to do, and I don't want to work weekends and holidays anymore. You know, and that was really oh yeah, sure. So it, it, the nightly news thing it, it just wore me down, and 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 when you say wore me down, when I say forty five years, it wore me the no, blank I down. I believe you know? it. Yeah. So, Contract came up, and, and uh, I, I started thinking about it probably close to two years ago and told a very select handful of people, Morgan Adsett among mm-hmm. them, uh, and they kept the secret, and uh, I just was able to sort of ease my way into it. It was important for me to say when I was done. You know, uh, somebody I really respect, uh, he was almost 70 years old, and a young news director who was probably half his age sat across the desk and said, your career's over. And he told me, he said, the, the best thing that can happen to you uh, if you're someplace for a long time is that you get to decide when you're done. And I've never, ever forgotten that. You know? First, can I ask, because I, I remember when we, when we wanted to talk to you about it, you were emotional about it. Yeah. The Ravens thing. Yeah. Um, that was, the emotion there came from, um, I mean, I have a mirror. I see what color my hair is. Yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I was losing something off my game, you know, and I was making mistakes and not meaning to. And, yeah. and, 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 <sighs> knowing when to leave is an important skill in life. That's interesting. You know? It's really interesting. And I'd rather leave before I start to become a burden or start to, you know, perform. People are talking about you behind your back. Yeah, and all that stuff, you know. I, I respect that. Yeah. I respect the fact that you get to say, like, I made the decision. I knew it was time for me. Mm-hmm. and. You know, I got I got some life to live now. I got some mm-hmm. things that I want to do. I respect the hell out of it. I yeah. think it's an incredible thing to be able well, to say. Well, I, I hope that will happen for you. You know, I was talking to people. I got to actually accomplish something in order for that to be the case. For <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. I got to accomplish hey, something. Hey, Jerry Coleman's doing 16 My ratings God, a night. Man. You'll get there. You'll get there. My God. Uh, your show the, with the partner, Rita. Yeah, yeah that's really excited about cool. that. I'm really excited. But Rita's amazing. I get a and, kick out of her. Um, it's a voice our city needs. Oh, yeah. um, and we, we've we worked well together. We did the Tyus Bowser show together this past season. We do the game day stuff together. I love Rita. And in fact, like you know, as, as Paul and I had talked about, Chuck's talked to me about doing this a few times. And I lo- Chuck's a, 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 a stand-up guy. Yeah, I like, like Chuck Everything a lot. about Chuck. Yeah. And he's talked to me a couple times over the years. And I've literally just sort of been like, I got I do a lot of things, man. You know, like I do the Loyola stuff. I, I got a job at Stevenson. Um, I was still doing radio for a while. But see, you're the you're the broadcast version of, say, Todd Karpovich. Sure. Do you you, you right. got to work Piece everywhere all, exactly all the time. Right. Piece you know, it that's all how together. it works now. I was talking to Peter Schmuck not long ago. Yeah. And, and he said that he and I may be two of the last dinosaurs. And I said, well, yeah, there's a bunch of reasons why that's true. I said, but what do you mean? <laughs> he said, we got whole careers at this. You know, with, a great with point. salaries it's and a benefits, great point, and right? didn't have to scuffle. It, it ain't going to be like that. For, no, nope. That, nope. I think those days are already. This gone. is the way it works. Yeah. People always say, like, you're always working. Like, I gotta. Like, that, I, I got two kids. If man. you don't, if you don't, uh, if you don't keep swimming, you'll die. Hopefully, they never want to go to college because I had to buy Paul McCartney tickets, and and it's just not going to work <laughs> if they want to go to college. I, I wasn't going to do it. Really? I wasn't going to do it. He Why? was uh, in turn. It's horribly overpriced. Oh, I agree well, with I that. See, well, I started out as a disc jockey playing yep. records on the radio, yep. and, and I know about concerts. Yep. And, and, and I, you know, what was it, $375? Yep. No. Okay. And plus, I'm going to say something unpopular. I don't give Uh-oh. a crap. All right, here we go. Uh, if you look at... Uh, you get, so, wait, don't get me canceled. You Whatever look, you do. No. If you look at solo careers... Of the Beatles, uh, okay, he, he I definitely least, rank him my least favorite. I was a disc Ooh. jockey in the summer of '76, and I had to play silly love songs, yeah, forty-seven thousand times. And then, okay, it's sinister follow-up. 
Let him in. Oh, I don't even remember that one. Someone's I knocking. Don't at even. The, rem- I remember silly love songs. Well, I don't remember. Yo, the, you know this song. Someone's knocking at the window. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a uh, favor. Open okay, the door. Let me. That's yeah, the whole song. Yeah. That's the whole song. And it would not go okay, away. Okay, I would rank. I would definitely rank Lennon and Harrison ahead of him. It would. I don't know that I would rank okay, Ringo ahead of him. Ringo had, actually, Ringo put out a record a couple years ago that was still really good though. Ringo oh. had the best single. Uh, of of all the you think there was any single that was better than than I've got my mind set on you that to me no I no can't, no I can't uh, uh, Ringo of all the ex Beatles uh, that had big hits my favorite is it don't come easy okay that right, record jumps that. out of the re- speaker and grabs you by I'll the throat I'll listen to it it's great by the way uh, if you think this is something uh, uh, Spira Marikas and I have committed we're going to do an entire hour on a personal back and forth top 10 Beatles songs here nice. in a couple weeks so we're nice. looking forward to that okay um, so, so I still I, I, everybody I've seen I've seen everybody right and I'm not you know as old school as you are clearly but I've seen everybody except for Paul and the Stones. Okay, that's I get the entirety that. of the I list. I mean, I, I went to see them both in the seventies, and and it was worth it. And so, and yeah. so you're good. You yeah. don't you don't have to. For me, it's a I have to. I saw Elvis. Wow. I Where was, did you see in, Elvis? In, in well, you know, I grew up. Well, I say grew up. My dad was in the military. Okay. And uh, so you were all over the place. all over the place. But they he, when he got out of the military, he was a career man from World War II, and he served. Okay. For, uh, uh, when he got out, it was in southeastern Virginia, what they call Hampton Roads yeah, now. It used 100%. to be Tidewater. Yep. And we had the Virginia Squires growing up. Oh, we wow. could do an hour oh, on the wow. Virginia Squire. Um, uh, where were we going with this? See, we I were, mentioned we, Squires. We it was a squirrel. Going with you, know. you seeing uh, uh, this. Oh, oh. So uh, we, we had the Hampton Coliseum there, which is why we had the Virginia Squire. <laughs> By the way, I might just t- turn my microphone off. Just let Bruce uh, go. <laughs> every band there was played the Hampton Coliseum, sure. including the Grateful Dead and, and, and the Stones and McCartney. And, and so it was worth it. That's you know. Cool. So I was dating this really cute girl. Who her name was Tracy? Okay, T R A C Y E spelled that way. Well, I don't know, but we that, that's uh, to deal with that at some point. Loved her some Elvis. Really? So he's going to play the Hampton Coliseum. Well, you gotta go. So I go down there at twelve fifty a piece. I was outraged. Twenty five dollars for two concerts, <laughs> and then you look at what it's costing today. Um, it, 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 no one told me he got fat. Oh yeah. So he comes oh. out in his Carolina blue jumpsuit and his big old gut, and he sings so, for. So was this before the comeback special, or was this way after? After the okay, this is down. Oh, oh yeah, this uh, is year before yeah, he died. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, he comes out and he's fat and he murmurs songs for forty minutes, yeah. and then Elvis has left the building, and I'm like, this is it. Yeah, and I was mad for years, but then it occurred to me, man, I saw you Elvis. got to see Elvis exactly right. <laughs> That's know? the point. Sure. The point is, you got to see Elvis. I just spent more money to go see Van Morrison in September because I've never seen he's playing uh, Wolf yeah, Trap uh, on a Wednesday. Night yeah, in September. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen Van Morrison. Yeah, because he's a recluse, right? Like uh, I, I saw the Ramones for a dollar at VCU. Well, that doesn't suck. That doesn't. The first suck. album had just come out. Only a few people had heard of him, and they they played for an hour and a half. And I bet it was 150 songs because all their songs Damn. lasted oh, one yeah, minute. Sure, right, 100 percent for one dollar. Oh, that kicks ass, yeah, Bruce. Yeah. That kicks ass. So I don't look. I get it. It's a ton of money. It's not worth. It's definitely not worth it. I shouldn't do it, but I have to. I, I know. Have I to get see it. Palmer I get Congress. it. And you'll be able to say you did. I just hope it's a great show, and I hope he impresses you. Um, I, and I really all and I've I've set my bar quite low. I just don't want it to be. I I've said I don't think it's going to be all that good. People tell me like the, you know I saw Willie Nelson last summer, right? 
And everybody said to me, be prepared. He doesn't sing anymore. Yeah. He just has his, his son sing all the songs, and yeah. he stands up there, and he holds his guitar, and you're just paying for the right to see Willie Nelson. He sang the majority. He played down at Merriweather. It was a great show. Uh, Nathaniel Ratliff played with him. Tyler Childers, wonderful show. Oh, I like Nathaniel. Dude, he's unbelievable, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just, oh, my God. It's a party. It's just a, it's incredible. A lot of but, sweat. Yeah, there's a, a lot, lot of sweat. sweat. Yeah. Um, he sang most of the songs, and I was like, this is I, the bar was so low for me yeah. that just hearing Willie Nelson meander through Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys was enough. I was like, I have gotten my money wor- money's worth because I got to see Willie Nelson, and he sang through a couple of songs that I love. I'll take that. That's a high five. And if that's about what I get from Paul McCartney, I'll take that. I, I'm not a big country fan, um, but Ken Burns' country music series yeah. is great. I never miss well, his I mean, stuff. I mean, come on. It's uh, Ken but Burns. Willie Nelson was on there, and he said that crazy was supposed to be stupid. <laughs> stupid. I'm stupid. And the record company convinced him to change it to crazy. They thought stupid might be yeah, a little bit. Made the right decision on that. But phonetically, it works. It does It does work, but I think that it wouldn't have had the yeah. same. I don't think it would have existed yeah. the way that it does in the zeitgeist and had I, it been and, stupid. And, and, and you know what? I never sing on my own show. So, see, that's one. There we go. I'm already. stealing that over here. I'm stealing that. We might, when you come, next time you come back, we're actually going to prepare musical numbers. We're going to make it like the old telethon you used to do. We're going to prepare some numbers Boy, for the fun. day. that was fun. All right. So, you're going to do. You're going to do more radio. Yeah. But is that is that it? Is that's that all you want to do? All, that's all I want to do. I, I, you know, I don't know what the future is going to bring. I'm not even going to file for Social Security for another two, two and a half years. Okay. You know, I, I'm, I've got... I've got some open space right. in yeah. front of me. And, and it's it's funny because I told you how young I was when I started. I've had nothing but closed space in front of me yep. since 1977 is when I started. <sighs> you know, And, and I, I'm, I'm almost through the second week, and I just can't believe how glorious this is. It's awesome. If That's I want to awesome, sit man. there, I sit there. That's awesome. If I want to go outside, I go outside. And I don't owe anybody right. anything. You don't, you don't, there's no appointment you have to make. Nothing. There's no, nothing. That's tremendous. And I wish that for both of you. I, I hope look, you get the I, I hope so. Like you know, I was so happy. My father retired a few years ago, and I went down. He worked for the government his entire life. He was down at the, the Department of Labor in D.C., and I went down the last day. And, like, the, the dignity of being able to walk out and say, I'm good now, right? I got grandkids. That's what I want to do. I want to spend time with them. That's what it's all about. And I know you got grandkids. Yeah. And, I, I respect the hell out of that, and I, I, I pray that one day that my life will allow for that. But we might, we might need to start. To, we might need to go well, viral. We well, might need you, Paul to die on the air or something in order to get yeah, a little more attention. I have five of them, and if you have grandkids, I hope you don't have that many. Do you have any idea what Christmas costs at my? Oh house? man. Oh, oh, and you got to be the cool grandfather. No, too. no. What do they call you, Bruce? What do they call you? Pop. Pop. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got to come through. You can't. You oh, can't I know, leave it hanging. But I mean, I mean, every Christmas I'm rolling the dice. You know how are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> now you retire. <laughs> yeah, Bruce says now that he's not working. Then he gets to November and he's like, you know what? I might have to pick might up a gig. To, yeah, Christmas might coming up. Might have to pick up a gig at that point. <laughs> Maybe I could. I could go. Uh, I could go down to flip burgers or something. You know? Nah, you, you could just work a game or something. Like somebody call you and say, hey, come call a game for us, oh, right? I'm, I'm, you know what? I, I am doing that for Fox Forty Five. Okay, um, what are you doing? Big 33, coming up May 30th. Okay, so uh, there you go. And then the uh, high school state championships, they'll be back on this year. Great. And, 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 oh, I'm happy to hear. That's yeah. news to me. Yeah. I was, I know that was disappointing to a lot of people that uh, they were not broadcast well, last year. They, they weren't They were, weren't free broadcast they, they last year. They adjusted it um, to, to create, you know, let more teams have it because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But we can televise four games. Mm-hmm. We can't televise six. There's just not enough airtime. You know that that's quite a commitment, and and the, <clears throat> you can play double headers every night, but that's a lot to ask of your 
your crew, it's you know. Tough. That's real tough. You know, it's real funny. Uh, we we do a double header on on the third day. We, there's just no way around it. Saturday we. So yeah, it's Thursday, day. Friday, and then two on Saturday. And two on right. Saturday. By the time uh, I had Wally Williams and Doug Duvall. Yep. Neither of whom have ever been at a loss for words in their life. A hundred percent. By the third quarter of that second game. Yeah, it's a it's a grind. It's well, remember I did it on radio. I did when you guys were doing TV. I was doing radio okay. for the the championship games for a little while, which is great. Uh, Popovic and I did it. it. Was a great gig. Oh, we. Snapped him. He's on our sideline. Oh, is he really? Yeah, well, he's, he, was outsta- he was outstanding yeah. as a radio analyst doing those games. And it's a lot of fun, right? Like, and it's, we were just talking about this with Tom Kelso. I wish that it would be back in Baltimore. I wish that it would be just the opportunity for those kids. And I do think my buddy Bo Smolka was saying it the other day. He's like, this is public money that we're talking about. If there's that much public money, we should be able to figure out a way for the, for the, the average resident of the state of Maryland to have more of a touch. I understand the Ravens are trying to protect their facility. No, I get, I get that, that entirely. Man, but I'll tell you, Navy has really worked out. And let me explain why. Um, that's in a safe part of town. Yep. They've got massive parking lots all over the place. That's true. Park uh, right there. And, and it's in the state capital, which the MPSSAA likes. They kind of like the idea. Okay. Of that. Uh, so it's worked out for everybody, and Navy loves hosting it. So I, I, okay. I like that idea. All right. Yeah. I hear you. I just, I, boy, it's a lot. Of, I, what it means to the kids to be able to play oh, I know. I know. at I know. an NFL stadium. No, I, no question about that. I think there's something to be said for that. All yeah. right. Definitive power rankings. Paul's going to post these a little bit later today at glennclarkradio.com. So do you have have a number? I'm going to have to go from the top down. So you're going to start with your number one. Yeah, my number one. Okay. All right. So what we're doing is the most fascinating. Oh. So you didn't tell me that and give me oh, a chance. I, I thought that, that. I thought, I thought it was that was just like on used. field. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, people that you got to know. Uh, we, can, we can give you a couple minutes. We can talk about some other things and let you think about it, right? Yeah, like, we can yeah. even take another break if you need uh, before we do this. Okay, we're going to need right? to do All right, that. All right, that's fine. Yeah. I want to do most fascinating. We we'll, we'll, we'll talk for a second, then we'll take a break, and then we'll wrap up the hour by doing this. Most fascinating folks that you got to cover and got to know during your years, the ones that you would say, like, I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, there have been great athletes that have come along, but there have also been other guys that I just got to know. Yeah. Yeah. And were genuine. Anthony Levine. Yeah. Is one of the most fascinating humans that I have gotten to know yeah. over the many years and not nearly as many as you, but the many years that I've been here. All right. Fascinates all right. I, I, I got you. Uh, Don, all right. Uh, Don Matthews. The, Don Matthews, who was a coach of the CFL Stallions. He's number one. I won't say number one. Just right, write, so right, write I'm going to write these names down. down. And then we're right, going to write go. numbers next to him. Okay. Don Matthews on there. Don Matthews in Birmingham uh, caught a guy, uh, a receiver named Joe Washington. And we used to laugh because I did the games uh-huh. with the other Joe Washington. Yep. Well, he dropped a couple passes, didn't play well, missed some blocks or whatever. And, and he goes to get on the team bus, and Matthews blocks his way. And he I've said, never well, heard this story. He said, well, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm trying to get on the bus. He says, this bus is for team members. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. He said, he said, what are you doing? And he said, you're off this football team, son. I can't use you. It's a competitive situation. And you knew when you heard Matthew say competitive situation. Holy somebody was screwed. So uh, one of the business guys runs out and grabs in his pocket. And he, he looks at it. And he says, I got $400. See ya. And, and we drive off. Wow! The bus drives off, and, and you just the picture of him standing there watching that bus with that cash. This is leaving the guy in the tarmac. This is exactly what we talk about. I never knew that. Oh man, they had a kicker uh, the first season. Was it Igwebuike? Donald Igwebuike. Um, you you don't know that I was I was twelve years old, uh, eleven, twelve years perfect, old. Perfect, I was perfect, in perfect. love. Did you listen to us the do bus. the game? Of course, I, I listened to you do the games. Me and I Joe. was invested uh, in every single thing. I because I didn't have the Colts move when well, I was no, I, I a get baby. That. I, this get was that. the first yeah. touch of football yeah. that I had in my life. And I all, was in love with. All it. they did was win. 
Oh, it was so great. It was glorious. You it was know, hot it was, as hell in the summer yeah. at, at Memorial Stadium. They but, told me I was the first U.S.-born announcer to call a great cup. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And then That's our, a cool little. They got beat late in the game. Yep. Uh, bad call. Pisaglia kicked field goal in ball game. And I remember Matthews on the plane. Uh, he said to the players, he said, if you put yourself in a position where one BS call can cost you the game, then you don't deserve to win the blank, blank, blank game. And he yeah, sat back so, down. That's so, a good point, actually. No, he was a fascinating character. Okay, though. I like uh, that. That's uh, that's the type of guy that I'm looking for. But for I, got, I got a free associate for a while because I don't want right, to forget that's, anybody. That's okay. You know, so. That's okay. Let's talk a couple quick uh, Baltimore sports topics, yes. then we'll take one more break, then sure. we'll finish up with all this. Right, all right. Um, where you are, you know, you obviously, as we talk about football coming to town, you, of course, closely associated with the Ravens because of your role yeah. as not only a broadcaster but public address announcer mm-hmm. for years Mm -hmm. where they go moving forward with lamar jackson this is we can't get away from it right it's awkward it's awkward that lamar jackson's not even engaging them in conversation there are opinions that people have about you can't pay him 60 million dollars or whatever he's trying to bend you over a barrel he's trying to milk every i i still more than 50% convinced that at some point this is going to get done. I don't really understand why Lamar Jackson isn't forcing it now because, as I keep saying, the quarterback's well, got all the leverage. You know what? Jason LaConfora, mm-hmm. who I enjoy, he hollers. He, like George Costanza. There's a lot of George Costanza in Jason. But Jason said if they had put the right number in front of him, he'd have signed by now. You can talk about all the other stuff and all the you know peripheral and uh, you know I'm focused on the Super Bowl and blah, blah, blah. All that's fine. Mm-hmm. If they'd have put the number that he couldn't say no to in front of him, they'd have him signed by now. I'm not saying they're trying to lowball him, but he hasn't seen a number that he likes. I mean, that's obvious, right? I, I mean, look, it, it's either if that's the case, right? Why doesn't he demand a trade? That's that's the part of this that I can't figure out. Yeah. That why are you willing to sign up to make less money this season? Yeah. yeah. If the answer is the Ravens, you know, the number was thirty five or whatever, and if that's the case, that is a joke. You know, it's a, it's what Kirk Cousins is making. It, it, but you know, like it's that's what a, it's what quarterbacks cost. Well, but I, you know, it I don't cost more than that. I, I mean, it costs. Pay, I don't want to pay three hundred thousand dollars for BMW, but, but that's you want a BMW or not? That's right, one hundred percent. That's so the way you, it goes. So lucky. if the Ravens really did say to him thirty five million dollars, and Lamar laughed and said, "Come on, dude, that's." Kirk Cousins is making $35 million. You know, stop. If that's the case, then why wouldn't he say, hey, there's somebody. Did you see what the Browns just paid Deshaun Watson? Yeah. You know, Panthers don't have a quarterback. No. Falcons don't have a quarterback. Right. Seahawks don't have a quarterback. The list goes on. The Saints don't really have a quarterback. There's any number of teams. That guy in Miami's crazy. He's liable to do something oh, stupid. Oh, my God. Apparently, they were trying to get Tom Brady to own the team, and he was trying to do a Roger Dorn yeah, uh, yeah. and, and activate himself. Mario That's right. That's right, 100%. So there's all these options. Why wouldn't he just say, if this is the case, go ahead and trade me? There are plenty of teams that would be more than willing to pay me the money that it is that I'm looking for. Just to give you a blanket answer to all of these questions, yes. there is no agent involved. Makes it. You've been at this long enough to know that all, and I mean all, of the information about contract stuff well, that, comes from agents. We never had a problem going to Joe Linta when we wanted to know something about it. Never had a problem so at all. that seat is empty. Yep. So that information isn't flowing. Makes it tough. None of us know anything. That's and, why it's and, and so— Eric, Eric and, and, and Bishotti sit back and say, when he's ready, he'll sign. I've never seen anything like it in all my years. I'm telling you, it's fascinating. It's so, and p- people get sick of us talking about it every day. But like, it's it's lingering over this organization. We would, we can't ignore it. Would you go to court without a lawyer? 
No. That's kind of what Lamar is doing. And I've had to know? go to quarter time yeah. or two. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got another name for you. All right. Him. Yes. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, um, uh, Justin Tucker. Oh, I mean, my God. Yeah. Modern Renaissance man. I, I was going to use that exact phrase. Uh, it, I want to give you a big star, but I'm just trying to think who who was really interesting otherwise. Um uh, let's keep going. Okay. Uh, but Justin, you know, the obvious stuff, the opera singer and all that. But Justin's also funny as hell. He's very funny. He, um, he told me, as far as he knew, he was the only fine arts major from the University of Texas in the NFL. I believe that. <laughs> I mean, I would believe that. Fine arts Yeah, major. right? Like, who else would there be? <laughs> we went out. It was on Mother's Day. Uh, and I don't know why we were both there, but Morgan and I went out on a Sunday morning because uh, Ravens practice. There was something important okay. going on. It might have even been an OTA. And this skinny kid comes out wearing number six, and he starts kicking. Mm-hmm. And everything is 55, 60, 65 yards. And we're just looking at each other mm-hmm. like, This what? guy's a thing. So we call one of the press guys. It wasn't Chad. I can't remember which one it was. But he said, well, who is that? And he looks, and he looks at his list and says, I got to go check. So he ran in the building. And he runs back out, and he says, a uh, kid's named Tucker. He's a, he's from Texas. Texas. We're bringing him up here, taking a look at so him. So right. I literally was there at the birth of Justin Tucker. Uh, Bruce, I, there's so many great stories from that year. I, we did the show from the Combine that year. John came over. One of the rare times that John would sit down and do it, like, at the Combine. Tremendous guy. And by the way, as I've sa- and I've said this to him, when you get John away from the season, oh, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. You do these conversations in the season. He's guarded. He's, you know... You get him away from the season when there's not an opponent on the schedule, when he's not thinking about what they're going to take out of it, and he'll talk to you. And I remember he was talking about the kickers, and it was right after Cundiff had missed the kick. And I said, oh, you're looking at the kickers. And he realized I had caught him. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. We, we, we like Billy. We, we like Billy. Billy's our guy. Well, that's what he's got to say. And he, and, but he had let on accidentally just by referencing, you know, we asked him something stupid about, hey, what's the process? What is it that you guys are trying to glean? He's like, well, I'll give you an example. Last night we were looking at the kickers. And I was like, oh. You're looking at the kickers, huh? You're you're interested in a kick? That's 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 something. And he was like, "Oh no no no, Glenn, we love Cundiff." The the piece that I wrote from the old the old website, I've never gotten more clicks on a story that I've ever written than the story that I wrote that compared the decision. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Compared the decision for which kicker to go with to my whatever birthday it was, my twelfth birthday, when I had to choose which friends I wanted to bring with me to the ESPN zone. <laughs> I wrote a piece about this for the old website. And I said, it's awkward. It's an awkward spot to be in. Are you really going to trust somebody who's never made a kick before in their life, or are you going to turn back to the... It was an incredibly awkward decision to make. And there wasn't an obvious answer at that point. No. Because I, Billy Cundiff, outside of one kick, had been a good kicker had, you in know, Baltimore. Uh, like I've never told this story publicly. Um, somebody from the Ravens came to me and said that Cundiff had complained that I was using more inflection when Tucker would make a kick. Are you serious? When, yeah, no, that actually happened. Are you serious? Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, you might have bigger things. Dude, that it's it's one of the most insightful things I've ever. If that's the case, 100%, I can understand why they'd be more inclined to go with the. If you were that rattled by the inflection that the public address announcer is using over a kick, yeah, you just might not be cut out for this. Yeah, and then all all those years later, he makes a kick in a preseason game, and I say, uh, you know, 52 yard field goal from uh, from Kyle Bowler. (laughs) <laughs> that was the one and that was uh, I, that was when you that was that yeah that that really helped uh, make, a, make and, a decision and, and Tucker was cool about it I saw him after the game and he put his hand on my chest and he said hey good to see you Kyle Bowler and, and, then, 
it's been a running Tremendous. joke between the two of us. But you know, you know what's cool about Justin too? He, I, during the pandemic, of course, we didn't see anybody, right, right? right? Like, so I probably hadn't seen Justin, and I also don't go over there the way that I used to. It's probably been a couple of years. He did an event um, with my buddy Chris Ruling at Great Eights Memorabilia last year. And I wander over, and it was an event. OJ was there. It was a really neat event. And he starts yelling at me from across the room. He has stayed, like, he, his memory, his knowledge of who people are, yeah. it doesn't wane. He's no, fascinating. He's good. He's, a big, he, he's what I call a first name guy. When you get professional athletes, there aren't many first name guys. Yeah. Guys will call you by yeah, your first sure. name. He was always that way. And then how he's morphed into this Royal Farm spokesman with that Hollywood smile. And uh, it's effortless on his part, you know. And, and he's great in those commercials, and every one of them make me laugh. I tre- keep trying, you know, Bruce, we decided to make him our, you know, we do the Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year yeah. every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And last year, we were struggling with who it was going to be. And after the kick in Detroit, we were like, you know, we really should do something about how unique this is. This sure. relate. How many stories in history have there been about a relationship between a city and the kicker like this? There, An opera singing kicker from Texas, which which is fat, but like just any any kicker. Is how many cities you know are the yeah. is the has the kicker ever been ingrained? Yeah. and been an institution within the city ever. I know ever, and so we said to Bo, like that's your assignment for for writing this cover story is that. This we got to explain just how unique this is. There is nowhere like this where there's ever there've been other good kickers. Morton Anderson was a hell of a kicker, of course, and you know Adam Venetieri was a hell of a kicker. But the relationship, Jan Stenerud, a hundred percent. But the relationship between City and kicker. No, it's been great, and I think it speaks more to the Ravens' offensive struggles. He's, some, he's, yeah, he's been sure. the one thing you can Consistent, depend on, right? you know, and they've gotten a lot of. But points it's his out personality too. It's his willing to engage. It's him br- saying, "Hey, I want to go kick balls in a park. Would you guys come over and shag That's balls him. for me?" That's him, right? Like yeah. it's things like that. Yeah. It's it's not. I don't. We're never going to compare anyone to Lenny Moore, or Brooks Robinson, because they're they're un, they're sainthood in this city. But it's closer to that. I would tell you. Uh, he's probably the third biggest star the Ravens have produced locally, uh, with the first two being Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. It's him or Lamar, right? Like it's it's one of them. Well, Lamar, uh, er, I give him an early in career uh, exception. Sure, uh, but I mean over a and long. And if you say that it's time, it's not as much local years, as it ten is, years right? Plus. Yeah, something like that. That's incredible. No, it's incredible. I think he's big. But uh, those two, those two were fascinating to me. Uh, and, right. and Matthews, all he did was win Grey Cups. I think he, when he retired, he had nine. You know. Uh, dude, I, it was a meaningful moment when they and it was it was so bittersweet because like you know at that point we knew the Browns were coming. Let and, me tell you the best residual story from the CFL days. Okay, Tom Maddy was brought on as a one percent owner and he was vice president in charge of whatever Spiros needed him to do. Okay, so one of the big deals that Maddy made is he got the paint company to donate the paint to paint the stadium. They got this specialist guy from Belgium or somewhere. Okay, and he did it all by himself. And he told them it would take two weeks, and they said, you're hired, and damn if he didn't paint that stadium in two weeks. But everybody that has a stadium seat, I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. That's Tom Maddie's paint on it. Really? Really? Isn't that great? That's cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's a cool – oh, man. I know how much Tom Maddie meant. Oh, uh, man. Get me started on Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. All right. The let- thing I learned yeah. – excuse me about that. Is it the best Maddie stories you can't tell? Well, sure. Right, of um, course. It's the way it's got to be. But we were at Chuck Thompson's funeral, and I was sitting with Judy, Tom's wife. She was in the middle, and Tom was on the other side. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and all these tributes to Chuck, and it's really moving me, and I kind of leaned into Judy. And I said, Judy, not to be modeling or anything, I said, but if, if Tom goes first, could I speak at his funeral? <laughs> she looks at me. She, Judy looks at me, and she said, as soon as I get through. 
That's wonderful. He was he was at my doorway to Baltimore. You know, we hired him in '91, just way soon after we went on the air. He was a very early hire, and he made sure I met everybody. It's cool. You know, Unitas and and Boog Pal and and all these people I needed to know. And and Maddie was great to me that way. And then we did a lot of hours on the radio. It was funny. Uh, we normally, John Colson was involved, so we're yep. normally doing it from a restaurant in, in uh, Tom Love Calamari. And when the Calamari came, I lost him. I, I know <laughs> he was gone for 10 minutes. People would call in and they'd want to talk to Tom. Yeah, and he's I not, said, a, not available. Sorry. Talk. Yeah. Right. So I, it got to the point in my head that I would start to schedule breaks. When the calamari, hoping, yeah, hoping right. I would, you know, coincide yeah. with the calamari. And yeah, right. It was, it was, you start saying to come over, you're like, "We're going to take a break right now," and they're like, "No, we don't. No, we are going to take a break right now. <laughs> this is when we're doing it." And they brought in the two big wrestlers, uh, uh, Booker T and uh, okay, uh, what was his partner's name? Stevie Ray. They brought him in as guests. Cold. Didn't tell us they were coming at all. And watching Maddie interviewing these pro wrestlers was priceless. Oh, that's awesome. Just priceless. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, I'm from Cleveland. You know, I, <laughs> what? All right. We're going to take one more break. All right. We come back in, and I, I want at least three more names from you. All right. All right. All right. At least three more. I want I at least the top five for Definitive Power Rankings. All right? Sure. Bruce Cunningham is here with us in studio. It's a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, don't forget that if you haven't signed up for Underdog Fantasy Football, we're going to give you free money for you to play with. Use the code PRESSBOX, and when you deposit up to $100, your first deposit will match it with free money for you to play with. UnderdogFantasy.com or download the Underdog app. Uh, before we wrap up today, we're going to chat with Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, former Ravens scout. We'll talk some draft. That's all on the way. Bruce Cunningham is here. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD gamblinghelp.org. The newest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. 
The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, so we gotta, we're going to give the one. We've been waiting on this one. Bruce Cunningham here. This is the one I was going to pull earlier. Who besides? Because I know if we did the other list, we said yeah. the guys that you, you dis- The fascinating part threw me. If we said the guys you dislike the most, Forrester, of course, would be first. We know that, right? No, no, no. Right. He'd be second. Se- oh, um, I'm not going to say who number one. Oh is, man! But most, what, oh, I'll tell you when we're done. Would you be willing? Would you? I want. No, listen, because I, I don't want. No, no, no. Because what? What I'm, I, want, I just want to ask if you would write it down so I could react to it. I won't say the name. I won't say who it is. I won't ask any follow ever. As long as you. One hundred percent. I just want to. For me, I just want to know, and I want to get a guttural reaction from me on the air. Hmm? Oh, you know what? Yep. I could have. I actually could have bet that. I could have bet that. One thousand percent. Yeah. I could have bet. Let's change that. the subject. Yep. One hundred percent. I've loved an awful lot of people that I've worked with. Majority of people I come across, including uh, including this great string of women. <laughs> no, when we've had seventeen years. Oh, oh, you mean you mean the people no, that you're working with? I thought it was no. you in your life. We had we had we had, no, no, I got yeah. one. We had seventeen years and counting. Yeah, uh, uh, and, and we were kind of a pioneer. Oh God, that. Amy and well, and you know, they, they came to me and they said, "Well, we want to, you know, what do you think about a female?" And I said, "I'm open to that. I mean, right. as long as they're good and know their stuff and work." And so, who's the first one they throw at me? Amber Theo Harris. Yeah. Who? Well, what's she going on? Doesn't do? have an enemy in this world. Right. You know, the sweetest. And God, we got along great. And then Amy. Amy came, and then Kristen, and then Morgan's been there 11 years. Has it really been 11 years? Yeah. yeah. I guess she was there for the Super Bowl. Holy crap. Yeah, she... Uh, How she, old am I? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to... My God. Well, actually, uh, uh, screwed, yeah. screwed me out of going to the Super Bowl in 2001. So when the second one came up, I was going no matter what. And for those that don't know, Bruce tried to kill himself in New Orleans. Uh, yeah, you want me to tell that story? I can't. Uh, but but anyway, it was predetermined I was going to the Super Bowl. Well, Morgan had followed him all the way, uh, yeah. Denver and everything, yeah. and then couldn't go. Uh, and it was it was sad. But the night before, uh, we're going over to do a live shot at the Dome. And, and they build scaffolding for all the local media. So we found our spot. And, uh, and we go up and, uh, well, we, we're not going up yet. We're crossing the street to get to the dome, and there's a pothole. And I got a tripod in one hand and my bag in the other, and there's nothing to break my fall. So I go down, and I land on my arm, and it hurts like hell. So I get through this live shot and, and don't sleep all night. So I get up about 6, and I go over to the Ravens team hotel, just thinking, I, hoping I'd see the trainer or maybe yeah, right? Andy Tucker. I walk through the door. Andy Tucker is the first guy I see. He's the team doctor. About that. He said, what's wrong? I told him. He said, sit down. They called the trainer. He wraps it up in ice. Andy pulls out his cell phone. They have an on-the-road network of medical people in the NFL. He <laughs> dials this number. He talks. He tells Jed Gamber, who's with yep. me. He said, he said, Jed, take him here. Ask for this guy. Okay, boom. I'm out of there by noon. Well, it's a broken arm. So they gave me Percocet. <laughs> and it said on the label, take one every two hours. <laughs> so I get out of there at noon. 
So I take one at two. Yeah. And at four. Yeah. And at six. Yeah. And I'm at the Super Bowl. Oh. And if you remember, the lights went out that it night. It was a long night. No, the lights went out. Yeah. So I leaned into the guy next to me. I didn't know the guy. I said, did the lights just go out? Yeah. Or am I just tying he, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, phew, man, I was relieved. I thought I just. <laughs> and, then, and then I did all these uh, interviews on the field afterwards. Uh, Jed showed me the tape about a year later. And I'm grabbing guys. Like, uh, you know, grabbing. <laughs> and, and it's just not me. And Jed showed it to me me about a year later and i couldn't believe it i'd never i had no memory of any of that so i, I covered that super bowl high on percocet I, it was i remember seeing you thinking to myself there's a facebook picture on my page i'm on the field afterwards doing this you know and <laughs> got, my, got my sling all up here and i got both eyes in the same socket you know just boom. wow yeah. wow so oh, that was you could get media guys to sit around and tell super bowl stories until the end of time yeah but they're not I'm, yeah that's going to be pretty high on i'm the confident 100 percent yeah, it's yeah. going to be pretty high on the list but forrester's still pretty high on your list of the guys you dislike the most i don't right? dislike drew oh stop you better you better number of times he went after you I never knew he went after. Oh, he! You knew. No, I, you knew. You know what? Honestly, but it was all, as we as I told you then. We loved you. We loved you. We liked having fun with no, that's you. Fine. That was the that's fine. That's why. See, Drew at that station, yep. which by the way was absolutely bursting with talent. It's it. You're going to look back at the early two thousand, early twenty twentieth, twenty first century, and you're going to look at who was there in ten years, and you're not going to believe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the other sports talk giant, uh, just about every day part has one of the people from that station. Yep. You know, it's it's been amazing to see. Um, uh, but I, where was I going? We were talking. We were making fun of you. We were, we were oh, oh Drew. so part of my deal, yeah. Steve Hennessy made for me, yeah. and they paid me well. I, I yeah. no complaints about yeah. the money. But part of the deal is that twice a week I had to go on that morning show yep. with Drew and Terry Ford. Yep. Drew, I don't know if he realized that I didn't get home till midnight the night before. Probably didn't get to bed before two. And so at seven thirty in the morning, I'm trying to fend off you know suggestive remarks and trying to get me to criticize this guy or that guy. And that got old. I'm just gonna say that got old. Oh man! But I, you know, oh. it, it's a Drew's Drew. You nah, you just accept Drew for who he is. It is it is and, and, it is funny now if the people that didn't know Drew at a time and Drew would understand me saying this. Drew, of course, far more religious now in his life. Uh, got the job at Calvert Hall, and he's a far more religious. And it's just I chuckle sometimes. I chuckle sometimes thinking about things, and I'm like, all right, bud, <laughs> yeah, we'll do that thing. We'll I, do the. I, we'll do the. You know, I do it all the time. You know when. When Brent Harris was the number two sports yep. guy before Amber, um, every Sunday night we had this big desk we'd sit at, and every Sunday night I would sneak a sharpie, and I would get him somewhere. Okay, uh, just before you know they're counting us down, like five, four, and I'd get him somewhere. One night I got him across the face. Nice, yeah, nice. Uh, I've done <clears throat> more wrong things to Brent Harris. Than any other human being in this world. All right, now I don't feel bad about the jokes that Drew would play. Now uh, I don't feel. We, we used to just torture him, and in, 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 uh, we're crossing. Um, in okay, a- do you remember the night that Drew prank called you in Providence? Do you remember that night? No. It was before a playoff game, and uh-uh. Drew called the. Ho- I didn't know what he was doing. Drew's like, "I'm gonna have some fun." And he prank called your room Why would in the hotel have fun in the Providence me? because he knew he would get a rise out of you. He knew he would get exactly what he wanted. Uh. He knew that would be the case. See, I'm supposed to be retired over here. <laughs> Don't rekindle these flames. I, well, now we're all working together again. Now I want to, you know, we can have some fun. And, and you will like those people. They're good people I, over there. I, there's nobody over there. You know, people ask, cause I, I started uh, in 2006 on the Nora show. That's where I got my start in this business all those years ago. And everybody was like, is it weird going back? I'm like, not at all. I like 
I like everybody. Like, I there's not anybody in this. I you know. Anyway, I, I was about to reference somebody that we're not going to reference. Um, there's that, hey, there's that, that, very there's very few people that I've come across that I don't like. Like yeah. I got good relationships with it. You talk about this all the time. Like you post pictures of you and Viviano and you and Goso yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, all that. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. look, we we competed, but we're yeah. friends. Yeah. Like that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. You're in this market for long enough. You you better be able to get along with everybody. You better be able to get along with everybody, indeed. And and, and these guys are nice guys that are easy to get along with. You know, I mean, you know, Viv sat down and did the math we got to combine 89 years the three of us wow that's a long time wow but it gets back to what i told you earlier about schmuck saying how fortunate we are about being able to do long term like that because i I don't think that exists it doesn't it doesn't and in local news i just you know the traditional sports cast on the local news i I believe is on a way out probably they uh if you look at what sean stepner's doing over at channel Mm -hmm. two and doing well by the way Mm -hmm. i like sean a lot um, uh, that's what it's going to morph into. And here I am trained in the seventies. And by the way, you know, and, and I just don't see a place for me there. And that helped me make the decision too. Okay. But the guy that trained me, uh, neither one of you guys will remember him, but if anybody older is listening, uh, my first boss, my mentor, the guy that taught me the business at 18, 19 years old, uh, came up here to WJZ and was their sports guy for a while. His name was Randy Blair. And Randy died uh, playing a benefit basketball game. He was like 32, 33 years old. And it was a very tragic thing up at Jay-Z, you know. And that, that's kind of why I wanted to get here. When, when this job came along, I'd been offered a job in Orlando mm-hmm. and Baltimore. And I had to decide. And I wanted to come here because I wanted to find his wife and his boy. Wow. And I was able to do all that, you know. Wow. And I made sure they knew how much he meant to me and, and, and all of that. And then the second mentor I had, when I went to Mobile, Alabama, was this old network guy named Jack Drees. Jack called 30 Kentucky Derbies. He was an NFL uh, announcer for CBS for 35 years. He called the uh, 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 um, 1940, 73 to nothing NFL championship okay. game. He, okay. he even had, okay. Jack, Jack had been around forever. So he finished me and, and, and got me pushed out in the world. But you talk about somebody who could tell stories of the early days. He, he did recreations in, when he was working in uh, Des Moines, uh, baseball recreations. Oh, without highlights? He was, yeah. Oh, man. He, he did those, and they would take them. It wasn't even wire copy. It was that stuff off the ticker. You know? Wow. So you're doing this all the time. And he, and he had this, uh, like a xylophone hammer. <laughs> And he, he would hit this box, and he said it, it, it hit the box and came off one night and started ricocheting. Oh, it's off the corner. Oh, it's out of He was able to ad-lib That's well. really great. But here I'm thinking, Jack started in the late 30s, and here I am in 2022. Uh, it, it's, it's, that's almost a century we cover together. It's incredible. You know? It's incredible, crazy? man. All right. I'm going to get two from people because we got we to gotta get the tidbit tubular, and we, have, we pre-recorded with Daniel Jeremiah this morning, so that'll wrap up today's show. Um, a couple of people that got in that had specific questions. Brian wants to know, do you have a Jim Spiro story that you haven't shared that you could tell us? Of course, Jim Spiro, those who don't know, was the, the businessman who, who bought and ran and owned the, uh, the CFL team. Yeah. Uh, uh, when the Ravens announced they were coming here, mm-hmm. the whole thing started falling apart. Spiro's had two money guys that were partners with him <clears throat> in the organization. They, uh, they bailed. So he stood his ground and showed a lot of courage and tried to face down the NFL for a second time. The first was when they sued him over the name, and uh, he he just refused to back down. You know, he's 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 a Greek man. You know, he's got mm-hmm. that backbone. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, 
I, I just admired the way he went about that. And then he went to Montreal and he was able to sell it. And so everybody came out okay. But he, he showed a lot of courage during that time. He's not really a funny guy. I got funny stories about everybody. I don't really have a funny guy. Okay. But he did put his hand on my shoulder and say, do you want to be play-by-play announcer for this team? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, good, you got the job. Just like that. You know, cool. we, we had him in on a Sunday night show, and that, he gave me an opportunity to call pro football cool. games, which led to an NFL yeah. opportunity, which was awesome, you know. Uh, Chris wants to know, can you ask Bruce, now that he's no longer at 45, if he could speak more openly about someone a la Peter Angelos? I've never been guarded about Peter Angelos. Peter Angelos uh, – <laughs> His heart's in the right place. You know, he wants to – when he's in bad shape now. From what I, I hear, it's, it's uh, you know, a, a disease commonly associated with old people or older people. Uh, and his sons are running the team. He always wanted to win. He was willing to spend money when he thought he should. Uh, he, he made some mysterious moves also. But all in all, I think he's been a pretty good owner. I think his sons, uh, I think they're operating in limbo over there. Uh, I, I, uh, well, he, I, I do agree with that. It's a very awkward spot to be in. A very awkward When you spot. say you think he's been a pretty good, that, that's tough for me, Bruce, I know, right? It's okay, tough for me. You know, you know? And, and, I, and I'm not. He hasn't been a meddler. He's not in the headlines. He, he's been pretty uh, arm's length for the most part. I never really had a problem with him. He's, but the, the, the he was aim, smart enough to get Masson. The aimless losing from oh, yeah. 98 to yeah. 2011, yeah. right? The, the losing without a purpose for losing right. the and you can say in there hey they did spend money at one point on javi lopez and they spent money it's not they, they were a couple hot miguel tejada there were a couple attempts in there to do something but it always came off quite misguided yeah um i think for in large part the ownership kind of just threw up its hands and said we just can't compete in this it, division. it came off very much uh, that way and, and, um, and that's fine they thought the ballpark would be a draw and for years it was and, well, and, and the, the, the dc thing was so frustrating yeah. that they were just sort of like almost protesting against it at yeah. some point well, just sort of saying we're so mad about this that this is what we're going to do we're going to you know, kind of tank, send our team to hell to show you how mad we are about you infringing upon our territory yeah it's it's sad. I, I've got to believe that they're going to be back. You know, the one thing in my career that I never got to cover was a World Series. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, the time uh, didn't work out. Yeah. It, it didn't. Yeah. And, and I, I hope I get to see one before I die. Seriously. I, I just uh, – I, I went to game two of the 1971 series. You know, Stan, it's so funny to say Stan. Stan, Bruce. But I'm going to tell you about Stan. So, it's all so right, Hank. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, buddy. When, when we started the rebuild process, when we were having those conversations, yeah. around, I remember Stan yeah. saying to me, I, I don't want this. Yeah. I said, Stan, I don't know what else they can do. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to be alive. I'm running out of years. Yeah. And it was like the first time I really, like, I, you know, I just had no context for that. He's like, I have no idea if I'm going to be here. And Stan's not, I don't want to, Stan's not ancient. Stan's not in his, he's not in his 80s. No, he's Stan's, way older than me, though. I mean, way older. A bit, a little bit. Yeah. He's a little bit older than you. But it was the first time, like, I had ever, like, like it was very real the way he described it to me. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. If I'm going to be able to see this come to fruition at any point, it hit me in a way that I hadn't thought about because why would I? Yeah. At that point, I was 35 or whatever I was. See, 34. They, they, they were a large market franchise for a long time. 100%. Uh, and and uh, they lost 30% of their gate, and that's the numbers that the Orioles gave out. Could be even higher than that. The train station is right there at Camden Yards, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's not by accident. You know, they I was designed to bring the Orioles fans from yep. from uh, the Washington. One hundred percent. So what did he get in return? Well, he got Masson. Right. And the genius of Masson is everything is times two. 
Well, but now then they turn around and say, we want that back. Well, right. they, but they're not going to get it. You know why? Uh, how many times have the Nationals taken them to court? And how many times have they lost? Answer, many and every time. The reason is, Angelos is a real good lawyer. Well, and because he's you got know? a... But it, it's very difficult because we have this conversation all the time, Bruce. I'm like... I, you know, it doesn't make sense that another team should be able to own a team's rights, right? Like, it doesn't make sense. Well, you send your but salespeople it, but out. It, but it, at the same time, that's the deal you agreed to. Your salespeople in November start making their calls. Hello, Coca-Cola times two. Right. Hello, Budweiser times two. Yep. Everything is times two. Um, that makes the Orioles very valuable. And, and, and that's Angelos' legacy is Masson. That's how sharp a lawyer he was. That thing is waterproof. It's airtight. I wish that it was a more valuable network as a whole. Yeah, I wish, well, they're missing you know, a lot of opportunities. Yep. If you're asking me, I'll tell you. They yep. need local programming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, we had a satellite up there at Fox 45, so I could watch everybody. Nesson has a 6 o'clock show. Yep. Yes Network has a 6 o'clock show. They're they're missing the boat so bad that they can't even see the boat. Mm-hmm. It's like fogged in or something. Well, they've got know? the David Cutcliffe show or no, whatever. No, they've you know, got the, they've got your investment wouldn't be that much. I yep. mean, it wouldn't be small, but it wouldn't be yeah. that much. Not and overwhelming. You, uh, uh, you should do it. You missing you could be selling commercials i agree i agree but no masson rarely asked me for my advice Uh, you know what they haven't asked me once for what it's worth actually technically i briefly worked for them when they started it but that's it that was it before it was even on tv before it was before remember at the beginning when we were really nervous about like nobody was going to be able to see the games because they were moving to masson and they were they were on like one cable like platform at that point that was when i was doing shows with anita and they they had me really? on there. I was twenty. Anita? I was twenty two or whatever I was at that point. I was completely in in no ways qualified to be doing any of this. Right? I was just the guy that was sitting there when it all started. And they were like, "All right, you go put a shirt on." You know. So I, was it just Anita? Or was it Anita and Garza? Just Anita. Uh, it was just Anita. So you never got to work with Garza. I never got to work with Scott. See yeah. the thing, and I love people that do work with Scott because we all share something, a knowledge of how funny he is. Yep. He doesn't show it on the air ever. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just not that Very guy. Straight, but yep. in person, we, I did radio, Stallions Radio the first, or Ravens Radio the first two mm-hmm. years. So every Saturday night on the road, we'd go out to dinner. And every time we'd go out to dinner, Garso would go to the Mater D and he says, You see that fat guy over there? <laughs> he used to be a football player. Could you have one of your attractive young female waitresses come over and make a big deal? Maybe have him sign a menu. Sure. <laughs> Every time we'd go out to meet at dinner, he'd tap on his uh, on his glass with his knife, and he'd say, "Ladies and gentlemen, near Hall of Famer Tom Matty." <laughs> <laughs> Tom would have to stand up and wave and everything. <laughs> that and is then incredible. He'd, he'd autograph the menu, and she'd thank him. Last road trip of the year, we go out to dinner. Okay, he does the same thing, except the waitress hands him a stack of ten menus that he has signed already that year. <laughs> We're. We're on the charter, and, and the That's flight so attendant cool. comes by with the drinks. And, and it was always Maddie by the window, Garso by the aisle. They always sat together. And the cart missed Maddie. She didn't ask him if he wanted a drink. And, and Maddie, ah, she didn't ask me if I wanted a drink. Garso did not miss a beat. He turns and he said, could you give my dad a bottle of water? Ah, it's wonderful. Oh, it's wonderful. Bruce, we could do this. I got to, we're going to do this again. I'm retired. I All right. We're going to do this again. You're going to come in and hang out with us. Let me. We're going to go through the – we do a couple ceremonies here to wrap the show every day. Okay. All right. Um, it's still Bruce45Sports on Twitter? Yeah. Are you still using it? Are you yeah, still – Okay. I'm still fooling around. And you're on Facebook too, right? I'm not as much anymore, okay. but I'm, I'm around. All right. So if you want to be in touch with Bruce, you can be in touch with him that way. 
Let me get a tidbit, and we'll get two, but then we'll hear from Daniel Jeremiah to wrap it up. Tidbit brought to you today by the Pressbox print issue. Final week for you to get this one with Gary Williams on the cover, celebrating the 20th anniversary of Maryland's 2002 national title. Get over to your neighborhood Royal Farms and the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. Coming next Wednesday, new print issue of Pressbox. I tell you what, tomorrow I'll tell you who's going to be on the cover of that one. Paul Valley. Paul Valley's going to be on the cover. Not going to be on the cover. <laughs> Just it was. We thought about it for a long time. We we said, you know, if you're willing, this we were thinking about this one being the body issue. In fact, was what we we're going to do, and we we're going to have you be the cover model for the press box body issue. But uh, ultimately, decided to go a different route. All right. So I didn't put this tidbit where I normally put it. And I don't know where it is. So I got to do this from memory. All right. Well, then maybe uh, we, you just want to save it for tomorrow instead. No, no, no I got it. I got okay. it. All right. Um, so Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last Well-oiled night. machine over here, by the way, Bruce, as you can tell. Uh, Vlad- he homered three times, in fact. Yeah, that's that's the tidbit. I didn't know v- that. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last night homered three times in the Blue Jays' 6-4 win over the New York Yankees. He was the second youngest player to ever hit his se- to have his second three-homer game in his career at 23 years and 28 days old. Second only to Boog Powell. Boog Powell. Who did it at 22 years? That would have been a pretty good trivia question. Really would have been. Who who did it at 22 years, 315 days old? Okay. Who are the, since 1996, the Orioles have eight players who have had a three homer game. Since 96? Since 96. Can you name them? Since 96. Chris Davis. Davis Chris Davis did it twice. Uh, I'm sure Ripken did it. Ripken did it in 96 out in Seattle. He drove in like, oh, that's right. That's right. My dad made me go to bed. What a jerk. I, I didn't get to see it. What a jerk. You should have we should have brought that up when he was here the see, other day. See, this is why I don't hang out with young guys. I'd already been at Fox forty five five years when your dad's sending me to bed. Since ninety six. Uh Palmero? No. Oh, Palmero never did. Never did. Uh um uh, how about Eric Davis? No. Hmm. Um Did Adam Jones have a three home run game? No. Hoyles? Hoyles did, I know. He's on yeah. the list, right? No, might have been no? before ninety six. No, he had a, he had a two grand slam game he in ninety eight. That, that might be what you were thinking yeah, of. Yeah, probably is uh, um, Machado. Uh, Machado did it twice. Uh, Conine. No. Whew, it's gonna end uh, up. B.J. Serhoff. Nope. Brady. Mm-mm. No. Well, Brady would have made sense actually. Um, well, there's a couple guys on here that you probably wouldn't think. Felix P.A. No, mm-hmm. he, he did, did a lot of cycle, things. He did a lot of things. He did not do that. He came and did my show. They brought him by. And uh, he doesn't speak a whole lot of English. Okay, why was he the choice to do the show? No, he, he spoke enough, and okay, he was smiling right. and pleasant, you know, and he tried, you know, and I made him real easy questions, you know, but it was it was interesting. I'm guessing Eddie Murray didn't do it in his return. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. No. That was 96. But it, it, That's right, it was 96. How many have we named? Three. Bobby Bonilla. That was 96, too. No. You're leaving out a big chunk of the 2000s. Oh, Tejada. No. But some of the guys I'm thinking of don't make. Did Mark Trumbo do it? Nope. Mark Reynolds. Nope. These guys hit home runs. Matt Weeters. Nope. JJ Hardy. <laughs> Doesn't no. make sense. That's the problem. Is like these guys aren't making sense. So you're thinking about guys between 2000 and 2010. I, Tony, I, I, did Tony Batista have a three home run game? No. You're, you're leaving out up till now. Up till now, who's 90, 96 between 96 and now? I know, but somebody I did it last year, and then uh, you're asking did, me to remember it. Who was? I don't even remember who was on the team last year. He's on the team this year. Ryan Mountcastle. Ryan Mountcastle did it last year. I don't remember year, that. And then somebody did it in 2019. How am I supposed to remember anything about the 2019 Orioles? I couldn't. Right now, a gun to my head. Who played for the 2019 Orioles? I don't know. He was a catcher. 
a catcher for the 2019 Orioles. Was it Paul Bacco? <laughs> no, that was okay. Caleb Joseph. No. Oh, that was probably around the 2019. Uh, Caleb's interesting. I like Caleb. Caleb was a great guy. 2019 Orioles. Who was on the 20? Was it K- uh, that wasn't uh, Pedro Severino. Pedro Severino. Pedro did Severino had three home runs in a game? In 2019, yes, he did. See, then you need to include that in your one minute, man. Because I never would have remembered in my life. How, but that's not a recap of the I game. I know, I know. I'm just saying. that. So we're, we're still four short? No, you're uh, three short now. Oh, my God, we're still three short? All right, yeah, you're going to have to tell us. All right. Nick Markakis did it his rookie year I, against I, the Twins. No recollection of Nick He Markakis did it in August of 2006. Albert Bell did it in the Futures uh, game in 1998. The, oh, the, 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 the crazy yeah. uniform, yeah. And he got hit by a pitch and refused to yep. go to first base. I remember it well. Uh, and uh, Roberto Alomar did it in 1997 when he came back from the suspension. Okay. Yeah. Some of those guys aren't guys. Like Markakis and Alomar, you just don't associate as home run hitters. Yeah, right. the, the, the Oriole Clubhouse in those days, um, Messina was right across from Albert Bell. And if there was ever a media no man's land, oh my god, it was right? Because no those doubt. two were miserable. It was. It's awful. so funny who like finding out who ha- like like heist was very close with Messina. Yeah, and I'm like, how? How is I it? I don't know. He was like, he was hard to get along with. I never even tried after a while, you know. But that Oriole team in that era wasn't fun to cover. I mean, it was. And Rand- Randy Myers was kind of crazy too, yeah, wasn't he? Had, you had a bunch of guys that just really had nothing to say, you know, and it uh, it was a hard team to cover. I remember going out to the playoffs in Seattle uh, with um, Eric Kettering, my photographer, and we get to the Kingdom and uh, to go live, the photographer had to take a panel off the, the stadium wall and crawl 30 feet and then plug in. So he's dealing with that every day. I'm getting ready to do a live shot, and it feels suddenly like a thousand bees just stung my foot. Armando Benitez let one through and get, get away, and it hit me in the foot. Ah! And uh, ah. so Elrod, Elrod comes over. Hey, do you see that? He's my, like my press agent. Yeah, right. See that? And he looks at me, and he says, now you know what we go through. I said, I don't want to know what you go through. <laughs> so it rained every day we're there. So we got all of this, you know, the crawling every day, and my foot's killing me, and it's raining for four straight days. We finally get on a plane to come home, and we, God, we were happy to be getting out of there. The plane was full of those promise keeper guys. <laughs> They're coming to do the... And, and the... One, one of them had a guitar. Oh. oh. No, no, no. Not the protesters. These no, are the, 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 the they religious... Did the, right. They did the, but they did like a march, from didn't they? Seattle, they did like a... From Seattle to Pittsburgh. Michael rode a boat ashore. Oh, no. Who my... in the hell would want that? No. Why would anybody oh, do that? No. Oh. See, I had I had the greatest that's job there hell. could ever be. That's hell. But the stories about how bad that job could suck sometimes that, that's, are hilarious. Bruce, so, that's torture. Yeah. That's legitimate. Did, did torture. nobody go up to him and say you just got to? But stop. it's there. It's all of them on the plane. No, they, they, we're like outnumbered, Eric. And yeah, like it's like they're boys. To two. I, I don't know how we got on there. Uh, two of the promise keepers oh, must man. not have. You know. Oh, that sounds miserable. Yeah. yeah. All right, Tidbit was also brought to you today by the Baltimore Police. Still looking for some folks who are ready to make a jump? Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Tubular brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Reed and I will be there for the first round of the NFL Draft in the FanDuel Sportsbook on Thursday, April 28th. Guarantee your spot to join us by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. Truth is, there ain't much going on. It's a Thursday night. This should be a good night, but the Orioles are off. Capitals play if you want to watch that. That's on NBC Sports Washington to take on the Maple Leafs. It's it's not good tonight. So go find it at glennclarkradio.com. Anything non-sports-wise that's worth it? Um, tonight, Bob Odenkirk is Ooh. on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. So I was very – like I, was, I happened to peruse Netflix last night, and it said new episodes for Better Call. So I'm like, wait, today's the day? No, we, 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 well, it comes on AMC. 
Oh. And there's weekly AMC. We talked about this last week. It's the it's the entire fifth season. That's what so it, that you can get called so up. I, so I I click the button. I'm all excited about it. I'm like, hell yeah, we got new Better Call Saul. And then it's the first episode of season five. And I'm like, yeah. what the? I've seen this before. What the f? It's new episodes mad. on Netflix, so you can get caught up in time for the Monday premiere. Of Mo- season it's six. this Monday. It's, I believe it's on the 18th. Oh, I'm excited about that. See, I'm still trying to figure out how to get HBO Max from my phone to my TV screen. I'm a subscriber. Uh, but I can't you figure not, you out. You don't have a smart TV? I do, but it, it, it's uh, LG, and apparently you have to have a Samsung oh, to get God. HBO. All right. All right. Well, but, I, but, but the Baltimore show's coming up. I can't miss that. Oh, I, talk to me. Well, you and I will talk. Okay. You and I might be able to help you. Okay. Um, and then The Karate Killers at 9 o'clock on ID, yeah, and then there's so. a bunch of new stuff on HBO Max I've never heard of before, but go check it out. All right. Very good. Bruce Cunningham, thank you so much for My coming. My pleasure. It was morning, fun. My it's good to really, get out of the house. Really enjoyed doing this. We should <laughs> do this again soon, all right? You know, and let me just say before I go, the reason I kept putting you off yeah. is- well, you, I, I get it. You're well, about to no, retire. Well, no, but to come here at 11 yeah. and then go up there, I, that that's a 14-hour day I, for me. I completely understand. And, and, unless I owe you money, I ain't Bruce, giving you 14. Bruce, we were happy to, you know, but you understood. I wanted to make, I wanted to do this. I'm glad you did. I, I wanted to have it. this conversation with you. That, I wanted to go. No, and, we got plenty more we could talk I about. I love that. Uh, let me tell a quick Caleb Joseph story. Quickly. Uh, I asked him... Uh, this is going to be the longest show we ever do, but that's okay. He, uh, Daniel Jeremiah is going to wrap it up. After his wife had the baby when he was playing for the Orioles, I said, well, what has fatherhood taught you? He said, it's taught me that you can play Major League Baseball on two hours and 30 minutes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I've changed... My entire outlook has changed oh, yeah. about what yeah. you're capable of doing with no oh, sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, we, I sit down, I'm like, I'm going to get six hours of sleep tonight. This is a win. Well, we had an agreement at my house. If the kids got up after midnight, that it was on me because yeah. I got home late. Yeah. And, and my son one night, my son didn't sleep all night till he's three years old. <sighs> but there was one night he woke up about 12.02, and I got him up, and I put him down five times. He got up all five times. <laughs> Finally, he went to sleep. So I'm crawling on all fours to bed. And I just collapse. The dog had peed. My face was in the pee, and I didn't. Oh care. God! Oh, but oh, you've had God. little kids. Can hey, you man, identify? Have a you thousand been there? percent. Would I, you have laid in that pee too? I, you just. I'm deal with, I'll deal with this when I deal with yep. it. I'll deal yep. with this. Only it's, parents. I'm not doing it right now. Only parents I, understand. I'm that. Dealing with when I deal with it. Yep. Great to see you, my uh, friend. You too. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Bruce. Right. Thanks also today to Daniel Jeremiah, who you're about to hear from, Xavier Scruggs from ESPN and MLB Network, and also to uh, Tom Kelso, the chairman of the Maryland Stadium Authority. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the archives. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. We're going to do some more draft stuff tomorrow. Josh Ross, Michigan linebacker. He knows the Ravens' defensive coordinator. We'll chat with him. Cole Strange, Chattanooga center. The Ravens say they're set at center, but if they're still in the market, that's a name that's been brought up a lot. So that's coming up on tomorrow's show. Stuff and things as always. Thanks, everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third. Thanks to Ryan at RexPecs. Ryan, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday night. Go nobody. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. We wrap up today's show chatting with Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network about the NFL Draft. We'll see you tomorrow. We are... Officially two weeks away from the start of the NFL draft on April 28th. Daniel Jeremiah, of course, an NFL network analyst, host of the Move the Sticks podcast, along with Bucky Brooks, and a former scout for your Baltimore Ravens, and he's back with us here on GCR. Daniel, it's Glenn. All right, it's great to chat with you. I want to put this out there. Two weeks from tonight, 
I want you to make a prediction. The biggest storyline you guys are going to be talking about on NFL Network that night is going to be what? I'm going to say the biggest storyline is going to be like I, I think that the wideouts are going to go flying off the board, um, and that's going to be a little bit of a departure from what we've seen over the last few years just in terms of the, the concept of, man, these day two receivers that, that the uh, the NFL draft has produced when you think about the recent guys like Debo and D.K. Metcalf and uh, Terry McLaurin and, and on and on and on, A.J. Brown, it goes on. And teams, you say, okay, well, this, that's the sweet spot for wideouts. And I think this year you're going to see these guys all get bumped up. Wow. I think the cost of receivers and free agency and, and via trade, um, that's, that's definitely – uh, send alarm bells off around these draft rooms, and I think it's going to elevate these wideouts. And it's a good group. Um, so I think we're going to see a boatload of these guys go, and they're going to go high. All right, so let me pose it to you this way then, because for the first time I think ever you and I are talking about a draft, we're not talking about wide receiver with the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> but that being said, is there a player that you would say, hey, look, you know, you can like Rashad Bateman, you can like Hollywood Brown, but if this guy's sitting there at 14 – you know, you absolutely would be well-suited to just go ahead and take this player because of exactly what you're talking about, the cost of, of wide receiver and just how talented that particular player is. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say there would be two guys that I'd be really tempted um, if I was Baltimore. And, and like you said, they've, they've, they're well-invested in the position. Um, but if you were up there and all of a sudden at pick 14, uh, you know, my highest-rated receiver in the draft, Garrett Wilson, he's the mm-hmm. fifth overall player. That's just too good of a value to pass up. I mean, he is a pure number one wideout, in my opinion. And then you get Drake London would be the other one, who I think is my, you know, eighth or ninth player. Um, I think that's another one who's value. And I, w- I actually love that fit. Cause he kind of complements the guys that they have. That gives them that big, big power forward. Um, you know, who can who can block and do a lot of the dirty work as well as be a big time red zone threat. So. Um, he just got kind of a, he's got kind of that Ravens kind of bully kind of edge to him too. So uh, those would be the two I would say you'd have to think long and hard about, even though you, you feel pretty good about the group you got. Right, no doubt, no doubt. Again, weird, weird that you and I aren't just breaking down wide receivers for the entirety of this conversation. <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah with us on Glenn Clark Radio. Okay, so the last time you did a mock draft, you had George Karloftis from Purdue going to the Ravens. Makes a lot. It feels like edge rush corner, and and maybe we'll throw Jordan Davis's name in specifically, uh, defensive line. It feels like that's sort of based on what the Ravens have done, the most likely area. When you did that, and again, I know it's been a couple of weeks. Was it unique yeah. with a fit with George Karloftis, and do you still sort of feel like he's the guy that makes the most sense at fourteen? Well, I just think of, you know, kind of the recent vintage of, of Russia that they've had. I would say, you know, even Oway, and Oway is just a more dynamic, more explosive player, but they're, they're edge setters, they're physical, they're power rushers. Um, you know, Zadarius Smith, you know, Judon, you kind of go back through all those guys. Those guys all were just heavy-handed, physical, tough dudes. Um, so he just kind of fit from a profile standpoint from the Ravens. Now, Teams are all over the map on him. You know, some teams really like him. Uh, some teams don't think he's a first-round guy. So he's a very polarizing player. But, again, I kind of look at that um, that, that kind of soul of the Ravens and, and what they value, and he kind of fits kind of how they play and who they are. If they're going to look for someone who can be productive early on, Daniel, I mean, obviously David Ajabo is a wild card, right? And yeah. I don't know what to make of that, but if they're going to look for someone who can step in and immediately be productive, does it have to be at 14, or 
can that guy be had in the second or the third round? No, I think this, this draft's pretty deep um, at edge rusher. So, I, no, I, I don't think you're limited to the first round. I think you get outside the first round and, you, you know, you're going to see that next group of guys, which, you know, could in, include a Boye Mafe. He yeah. might fall out of the first round. He's in that range. Arnold Ebicati from Penn State's a good player. Um, you've got a real fastball on Nick Benito from, from Oklahoma. Um, you know, Josh Pascal is a name. He's a guy that kind of has that Ravens uh, yeah. mentality. Um, that would be one I wouldn't sleep on in, in, uh, on day two. So, yeah, it's, it's a good, deep group of edge rushers. I wouldn't feel like you had the proverbial gun to your head to take one at 14. Of course, NFL Network will have live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from Vegas, April 28th through 30th. Um, Daniels, the cornerbacks go. Sauce Gardner, I'm assuming, is not going to be falling to the Baltimore Ravens at 14. If that's the case, the next group of guys, right, the Trent McDuffies and yeah. the Derek Stingleys, how does that group shake out in terms of who you think would be the best fit for the Baltimore Ravens? Well, I mean, Trent McDuffie fits everybody because he's just super clean. Um, you know exactly what you're getting. The tape is really good. He's not the, you know, he's not a, the biggest guy in the world, but he's got the ability. If you want to play him inside, you can play him inside, play outside. Tough, really, really a tough kid. Um, so that, that to me is a great fit. Stingley offers even a little bit more just in terms of the, you know, the, the twitch and the athleticism and, and even, you know, the ball skills, but it's been well documented. You know, you got to go back to 2019 yep. to see him play like that. So there's a little bit of a gamble, a little bit of a risk. Um, but you know, the one thing the Ravens are, are really good at and, and Eric DeCosta does a great job with it is, is kind of determining value and maneuvering around the board to give themselves, you know, opportunities to take shots. And that could be a situation where maybe, you know, maybe if Stingley started to slide a little bit and maybe they move back and, and pick up an extra pick or two, uh, then they feel like, okay, we, we, we got to, we've got an opportunity to take a chance here. Let's, let's gamble on greatness. So let me go back to Ajabo based on what you just said there, right? Like, I, I, dude, I hate the fact that I feel this way. I feel like such a rube every time I say, hey, look, you've got the guy's defensive coordinator and, and I feel this way kind of a little bit about a lot of the Michigan prospects, right? Even some of the guys later in the draft, the, 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 the Chris Hintons and the Josh Rosses of the world, where I'm like, I, doesn't there have to be some value for that? What do you do about a job? Where could you take him? Where does his talent meet the, hey, if you got to wait, it's worth it to wait because he makes sense to grab a guy like that for the future? Well, I think he's a tricky one um, because, you know, he – he really has kind of that one year. Um, he's still, you know, they, he was a liability against the run, which, you know, kind of goes back to what I was saying about how the Ravens have typically, uh, by the way, I think the fastest. What? Yeah, what's going on? Right Jeez. Is a Formula uh, One uh, race right now? <laughs> I know. I'm coming up to a stop sign, so he's going to let it rip again here. We're not racing, I promise. I believe you. Um, but uh, the uh, – that he doesn't really fit from a stylistic standpoint in terms of having those more physical edge guys to, that they've had in the past. So that's the only reason I would say that. You know, obviously there's a connections there, and you've got the defensive coordinator. You obviously got John and Jim, and you can connect all the dots. Um, but when you add in the fact that he's not he's not great against the run, he doesn't have a long history of production, um, and now on top of that, you, you throw in an Achilles. It's you know, I think it's the second round move. I yep. think if he's there in the second round, you run the card up and you feel great about it, even okay. if this is a redshirt year. 
Um, but you know, st- you know, definitely, I could not endorse it at fourteen, and I probably couldn't even endorse it in a trade back scenario. And I, I think that's totally reasonable. Um, Jordan Davis, I'm in love with him. He is the guy that I just look at and say he's he's the most physical freak, and I get it. He didn't play 50% of the snaps, like, and I, I've heard all of it. When I see him on a football field, I say, that's a monster. That's a guy <laughs> that wrecks. And I'm not trying to make him Aaron Donald because nobody can be Aaron Donald, of course. There's one of those. But it, why wouldn't Jordan Davis, if he's sitting there at 14, why wouldn't you be racing up to the podium and saying, give me this human that just uh, – it's like the way we describe Brock Lesnar as a professional wrestler. <laughs> he's not like other humans. Yeah, that's a compelling argument. I, I, can't, I can't push back on that. You know, the, the discussion that's taken place in draft rooms has been, you know, not – not necessarily just him coming off the field, um, because I think you can justify that by all the you, everybody knows all the guys they had there on that yep. front. Um, but just it's a little bit of a, a gamble in terms of just the pass rush, you know, potential because you just haven't seen all of it put together yet. But I'm looking at that big body and how athletic he is, and you talk to him; he's a smart kid. He's worked really hard, get himself in good shape. So I think the work ethic's there. Um, you kind of add all those things up, and man, you'd like to think he'd be able to figure that out. Boy, man, you know, it, it, part of it is just me thinking about how much Haloti Nada made this franchise different for so long, right? Like what yeah. he allowed the rest of your defense to do. I don't know. I I, I I can't help it. I am so enamored with Jordan Davis, dude. It is. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. You know, I, I was looking for a comp for him, and I was there when we took Haloti. And, you know, Haloti's, Haloti's a massive human being. This guy's like two inches taller. Right. Um, so when I, when I was – when I was looking for comparisons, and I think pe- this guy has, you know, people look back on this player and say, oh, you know, he was a bust or wasn't any good. But there's a reason why Albert Hainsworth got $100 million. Yeah, that's a good point. Because of what, because of what he did in Tennessee as a young player. And this guy reminds me of a young Albert Hainsworth. All right, is there anybody else, knowing what you know about the Baltimore Ravens and how Eric and, you know, Ozzy still to this day and Joe Ortiz, how they work, is there anybody else that you look at and say, look, man, if this guy's sitting there, you know, people have talked about Thibodeau. If this guy's sitting there... Yeah. This this absolutely makes all the sense in the world as something that the Baltimore Ravens would do. Yeah, I mean, I would just say, I would say if Sauce Gardner were to get close, that that would be kind of the one player I could see them trying to move up to get. Okay, um, just because of the you know the size, the 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 athleticism, the ball skills, all that stuff, the attitude. He just kind of he's another one I just see kind of as a as a Raven type player. So that would be one. You know, I don't think there's any chance that he gets to uh, to where they're picking. But if he got in range, they've got the assets. They could move up a little bit and get him. All right. And my last one for you. Everybody on the planet locally has Chigakonkwo in their Ravens seven-round mock draft <laughs> because he's a Maryland guy, because the Ravens use tight ends, the whole deal. We're not talking about somebody who's going to go in the first couple of rounds. But yeah. what do you know about Chig? And, and do you say, like, hey, man, that really would make some sense, given his athleticism, what he could bring to the table in that type of offense? Yeah, and I'm not so sure you couldn't give him some fullback snaps, too, yeah. you know, and, and cross-train him there. So, no, I, they collect them. They collect, uh, they collect tight ends like, like little kids collect baseball cards. So <laughs> I, I would definitely not rule that out. No doubt. All right, at Move the Sticks on Twitter is how you follow them, the Move the Sticks podcast, and, of course, draft coverage on NFL Network, April 28th through 30th. Daniel Jeremiah, I know you got to do a ton of these. Really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us, my friend. Uh, you're the best, Glenn. Thanks for keeping me company on the way to work here. And please don't, uh, please don't let that guy get you in a wreck, all right? Good night, man.